deck. You have a DNA cousin match. Yes, yes. <laughs> we have searched your DNA worldwide. Worldwide? Click on the link below to meet your newest member of the family. Link below? No. Look who it is. Dixie Carter. Dixie Carter. Dallas, Texas. From Dallas, Dallas, Texas. I am still president of this company. And you I get quite feisty, though, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. It's in your DNA. And I am still your boss. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready, ready. Let's get ready, ready. Let's get ready to rumble. Watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic, psych. This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Ben. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. Hey guys, uh, it's been a busy week. Hello. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to go through with Spiel and JP, so we just, uh, go on, what's going on? No, 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 no. I just, just like to turn into chit-chat for no good reason good other enough. than to create a weird beginning. Oh, fine. I mean, I was yeah. just going to ask you who was going to win a fight out of Jimmy Havoc and Excalibur. I think we know the answer to that, so you've killed my opening. Oh, every day of the week. I think, in t- uh, yeah, where, wherever that fight takes place, Excalibur's winning. Do you know what I'd go for if I was Excalibur? What's that? A few liver shots, because he already punctured that anyway, any of the amount of bloody booze he puts away. <laughs> Uh, this being the what a way tr- to kick off if anyone hasn't seen the news this is a true story JB Havoc getting choked out by Excalibur if you watch their high spot shoot at one point it was like a officer and a gentleman wasn't it I don't know if you watched those series JP where yeah. I think Havoc called America like the entirety of America a gang of cunts something like that and you got Excalibur what? and um, oh, I can't remember the other and Dan Barry <laughs> took, uh, took quite a bit of offence to it and I feel like this thing's been buzzing a while but to be fair, Havoc's just a cunt himself, so he was always going to get choked out. I'm just glad it was by Excalibur. Yeah, it kind of has rings of uh, when Joey Styles knocked out JBL. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, and about how much how much kind of fun this was. The mm. idea that Excalibur, who seems genuinely like a really nice guy. Steve Blackman and uh, JBL at the airport as well. That's a story <laughs> I always like. <laughs> Steve Blackman, where is he these days? There's an indie run there for him, isn't there? Oh, definitely. I can't can't believe he's not done a spring break. Maybe he's going to be one of the names Janela announced, as well as putting Excalibur in a shoot fight. Uh, Joe, do you remember where you were when you heard the news? Jimmy Havoc got choked out. Were you happy? Um, Where was I? I was uh, in London on the weekend (laughs) on a rainy tube at the time. Very little battery, and someone sent me a link, Mm. and I just rolled my eyes and thought of course this is inevitably going to happen and a couple of days before i'd also watched a segment on aw dark mm. that i'd flick to where jimmy havoc was being interviewed by cody about like i don't know being an aew and all he could say was yeah fuck you i've got a contract <laughs> i was gonna get one of these but i got one it was like you said that three times the second was awful yeah he was he was awful in it like he's been shown up really is Mm. This is it. undesirable to undeniable, isn't it? Uh, That's it. Yeah, yeah, that one. He will, he will wear it as a badge of honor, being the first man shit kang by AW. Big Tone seemed to take it in stride and thought it was quite funny from the uh, the press conference, but yeah, I don't think Jimmy. What Alex happened there? I didn't well. see this. Oh, we just got asked about it. He was just kind of laughing about it, saying, "Oh yeah, you know, it was it wasn't much of a fight. It was just you know a bit of a you know he grabbed him in a chokehold, fisticuffs. He didn't really, he didn't seem to be uh, too damning of it. Uh, I was kind of hoping uh, Havoc could get fired right on air, but." We'll have to just wait a couple have, more weeks for that, Joe. 
Havoc wasn't at full gear, though. Mm, that's true. Maybe he got sent home. I think he did. No, he was. God. He was hanging out with Matt Riddle. <laughs> was he? Yeah. I yep. just saw a picture on Matt Riddle's Instagram of, like, Saturday night was fun, bro. Uh, which was a below a picture of Gray O'Khan in M&S by a smoothie. He loves a smoothie, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, Jimmy Abbott was in the picture with Riddle and... Riddle's wife and a few others, and I'm assuming they were watching the pay-per-view on Saturday night because Jimmy Abbott got sent home if he lives in Florida. I don't know. I'm assuming he does where they all live. After a job with NXT UK, maybe it could happen. Mm. Well, at least he's got somewhere to go for unboxing, hasn't he? (laughs) Going to be no illusions of him appearing on that show. Which we're looking for tickets for. So if anyone's got tickets for unboxing, you want a live (laughs) report from the ballroom... In our, you know, particular style, get in contact. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, reach out. Uh, have you guys been up to much this weekend? No shows this weekend? Nothing, uh, anything good going on? I'll tell you what I did see this weekend. I, I mean, to be honest with you, it's been not as filthy weather-wise as it been around sort of Sheffield and, and Derbyshire. Yeah. But Bushby's underwater, same, I think. Or he's yeah, on a big hill on top a, of the water, overseeing the water from the from where it sounds like at a, a Bushby Manor. Yeah, <laughs> Bushby Mansions. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, this weekend, sorry. I found myself, like, kind of watching loads of sport as per. Hmm. But one thing I did see, and I didn't know if either of you two watched, and my sons were really into it, was KSI Logan Paul. Oh, God, yeah. But I was talking to one of my mates about this, like... Yeah, it, fuck me. That that thing does business, doesn't it? I haven't seen any of it, but yeah, like if you're laughing at the idea of YouTubers having a boxing fight, look at the the box office they they've drew, the the intrigue they've drew. Uh, Crew was saying to me that like he went down to like a I think was was there a fight at the Copper Box, and he went down there with his nephew, and somebody outside was offering him fifteen grand, no fifteen hundred pounds, sorry, per ticket. Uh, to sell them to them, like that's what what the demand was to see YouTubers Jeez. fight. That's the that's the world we live in now, JP. Did you enjoy it? Do you know what? I've seen a lot worse fights, and the crowd were well up for it. But it was it was strange because they've really invested in the whole KSI Logan Paul story. Mm. So they were telling me all this stuff about them going on and about all this rivalry, and Logan Paul is such a heel. And apparently, I mean, he did wrestling in school. And all I just kept on thinking is, some like, if a, if you're looking for that younger demographic, do a lot worse than give him a boatload of money to get him in. Because I tell you what, he would draw. You book it correct. I mean, I would you would normally say WWE, but they'd just fuck the whole thing up anyway. But if you're looking to seriously make an impression, someone like that, someone like a, K, a KSI, because they reference CM Punk at the end afterwards. Because mm. he goes, like, KSI doesn't want to do a third fight, which means they'll do a third fight. Because this one is, I mean, seriously, serious box office records are at risk here. It's mm. absolutely wild. In, in terms of the overall buzz. So I found myself watching that at 7am <laughs> on Sunday morning, partly because I'd woken up anyway. Mm. And then my younger son woke up and I said, do you want to watch that KSI Logan Paul fight before he looks at his phone and has it ruined? I think mean, that's a little bit disrespectful on a Remembrance Sunday, to be honest with you, mate. <laughs> like, you should have been doing some proper... Did you have a poppy on? I, <laughs> I didn't have a poppy on. Have you got on one on now? Because I've got one on, obviously. We've all got poppies on, right? 
Oh. I'm dressed up as a poppy, like the <laughs> Tranmere mascot. Well, you are the I'm most English. You have the most respect. It, well, I win the respecting contest this year. Mate, I was on Poppy <laughs> Poppy Watch when I was on when I was in London, mm. looking around. There was one bloke on the tube who had a poppy on, and he was with a poppy belt buckle on, and he was reading a magazine called Festival of Remembrance. He was doing some proper remembering and respecting, wow. was he? Putting put us yeah. all to shame there. Oh, God. Yeah, there was... Um, his cock and his ego are bigger than all of ours, we think, <laughs> You know, repping. Sounds like one of your neighbours, mate. Oh, they are. I haven't seen them, but they'd probably be like the classic, like, got to wear a poppy, got to go to a remembrance event. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> will, their man, will their man cave be painted in it? As Poppy Watch, the Twitter page, mm. which I, I do dip in and have a look at, is incredible. The, um, the uh, remembrance man cave that someone has is... On a different level, yeah. And the pub that was only letting people in with poppies, turning people away didn't have poppies, which is quite a fascist approach and is almost kind of ironic considering Mm. what a poppy is meant to represent. But, hey, a poppy has been a kind of what? Uh, how could you put it? Reappropriated by the yeah. right in this country who like to live in the past and remember the past rather than owning the past and moving on, like, say, the Germans. So let's, you know, lord over the fact that we won <laughs> two world wars and one world cup rather than taking our past, evaluating it and saying, let's move on. I remember but, hey, that's the world we live in or the country we live in. Very sad <laughs> to say I remember being a, like a kid on holiday in like Ibiza or somewhere and got into some argu- an argument with some German kids. Bear in mind, I was like nine and my big comeback was, yeah, well, we won the war. I literally used that. Sorry, Joe. Oh, we spent a lot of time in the British... Moment, we spent a lot of time in the British Bulldog pub in Ibiza uh, when I was a kid, so maybe it all, it all rubbed off on me. Was this after like Euro 96 or something you were <laughs> reading after that penalty loss? <laughs> I think it would have been a couple of years before that, but... Uh, just in general, just... Uh, uh, 1990 was in the memory. Mm, yeah, that's it. There's nothing like, say that, as a kid, going on holiday during a World Cup or a Euros. They're, they're the best memories, despite the, the jingoism and the racism. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like a World Cup at an odd hour of the day. Mm. Like, I like the idea, especially like, well, you two weren't watching the Rugby World Cup, but it being in Japan, because I'm kind of used to watching New Japan shows at time in the morning. I like the idea of getting big, serious sport out of the way before midday. Like KSI versus Logan Paul. Like KSI versus Logan Paul. Lest we not remember. Was it a good um, fight, JP, at least? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I forgot where I was going with this. KSI Logan Paul? Yeah, was that um, any good? KSI, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go back to that. Get Logan Paul in as a heel. He's an absolute dick. <laughs> Very, like, KSI was an Arsenal fan, so he kind of had me. And he's from Watford, and I thought, yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. So, yeah, KSI, even though he does also come across as a bit of a dick, he's got real presence about him. Get these boys into wrestling. I'll tell you what, and the, the fucking money will print itself. I, I'd rather not come in because I'm going to have to suffer their YouTube videos, and I can't stand anything more than yeah. when, when I watch students that I teach trying to be YouTubers and trying to adopt the personality of what they view as YouTubers. Mm. It's painful. Yeah, no, I don't get it. Yeah, it's a generational thing. My little it brother, all he does is watch YouTube. That's it. That's his entire life. He does nothing else but watch YouTube videos. It's just, it's a thing. We're, we're too old for all this nonsense. That's it, isn't it? I mean, this is where it does get, that's generation alpha for you as well. I'll watch it to try and understand where the students are coming from. And mm. when I make them do research, when they've like proposing a product, 
they'll show me clips in like presentations mm. and me and a colleague will watch some of the clips and I just can't find substance mm. in any of it really. Mm. And from a technical point of view, some of it's quite impressive, uh, but that's because they've got a lot of money to go and buy expensive kit to get ahead of the game and ahead of everyone else. Uh, but I just can't find where the substance or I'm going to sound like a bit of a twat where the art is in it and god i'm mm. gonna sound even worse i grew up watching great cinema and great films when i was around that age and they're watching really short well-edited videos that don't say a lot about the world and society and fuck me general knowledge amongst the kids i teach awful <laughs> absolutely <laughs> awful one of them didn't know what grenfell's Tower was the other day Oof. oh no that's pretty yeah. bad it's gone to the dogs yeah. jp did it you? really has gone. This this country has completely. But I've got that Irish passport, so you know. Ultimately, there's a get out of jail free card there you go. floating around it. If it gets if it gets that bad, and it probably will. <laughs> Do you think it's uh, another happy podcast from us this week? <laughs> On a more positive note, something uh, someone uh, mentioned. I don't know if you've seen the video or not, but did you see? Uh, Ant and Deck and, uh, and Dixie Carter mixing it up. Maybe uh, Deck looking for uh, oh, yes. an American uh, passport. Apparently he's a distant relation of Dixie. Maybe he's trying to uh, escape the country as well. That was, I mean, if if only if only Dixie had known about this during the impact run, we could have had the new boom area, boom period. Sorry, that could have, uh, you know, look at look at our, look at AEW on ITV now. It could have been TNA all along. They'd have come over here and gone full time over here if Ant- they could have got Ant and Deck in, I reckon. Yeah. Britain's got talent ru- followed by a bit of impact. Double <laughs> Ant and Deck on an evening. Yeah. Imagine that. Them as like a joint pair of announcers. I think they'd have been great on there. <laughs> there you go. They're, they're the proper entertainers from our era, uh, Joe. Uh, PJ and Duncan. When uh, when, P- when, when PJ got his, got blinded in Biker Grove, I don't know if it's a bit before your time. Big emotional moments. Oh, I remember, mate. I remember. Yeah. I, Even I, I remember this. I remember when they came back for Jeff's funeral and uh, he was doing full-on uh, blindness in that episode as well. Yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still got the image in my head. Yeah, yeah. Old. It, was, it, it was yellow paint, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over yeah. his eyes. Paint, He's wearing yeah. Reebok pumps at the yeah. time as well, if I remember rightly. Do you remember um, Duncan having a, um, a gambling problem as well? No. Was so that near the end, was it? Ah, uh, no, he was, uh, Deck would have been quite young at that point as well, relatively small. He was nicking money from the Grove. Oh, I do remember To that. go down and play fruities and stuff. <laughs> yeah, because they put some house. paint on it. This could be, yet yeah, um, many false memories. You though. know who was playing the fruities yesterday? Who? The great Okan. <laughs> was he? <laughs> he was sound like Cashino or something, it said in his Instagram. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I can imagine that. I think he'd have a great time. Perhaps he watched some Biker Grove and thought, get me down there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we've talked, like, probably right at the start on Indie Corner, but, like, remember the uh, the Biker Grove, uh, like, the wrestling episode they did, where I'm pretty sure it was PJ and Duncan and the lads went went to watch the wrestling, and they had, like, it was, like, some all-star show. I'm pretty sure Ricky Knight was on there, and the Legend of Doom was on there. Uh, obviously, wrestling presenters as if it was as, as real as... Uh, as a YouTuber's boxing, uh, it was uh, it was quite the sight as a as a kid to get to see uh, the the fake uh, LOD on uh, on my favorite TV show. I really do wish I could remember that, but yeah, oh. no memory of that whatsoever. Do you remember? I was always more of a. 
I can't I can't remember that at all. But I remember we talked about it on Indie Corner. Mm. I think I, um, I went looking it up now. I'll bring it up. I'll have a look now while we're on here. <laughs> I'm looking, mate. You carry on. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I can't really. It's really funny because there's bits of most. We've said this before, but like sort of most of the wrestling stuff. Some of it sort of happened when I was just like the Batista and Neighbours. Mm. I missed at the time. Gutted. I won't lie. Biker Grove, go to the wrestling. Found it. <laughs> yeah, that on the here show we notes. go. Wanna... Just having a look myself. Uh, give some play by play. What's happening? Can you hear that? I... Just about. When American wrestling comes to Biker, Ed, Alfie, Anna, Ed, Barney, Fruit, Dale, Gary, and Leah pop along to enjoy the grappling action, including a fake British bulldog and a pretend Legion of Doom. Oh, I forgot there was a fake British bulldog, yeah? Because I was trying to remember oh, if there was a real the bulldog. <laughs> Is it Dynamite Kid having like a really bad moment in his life? It's not, but. Uh... Oh, no, here he is. Oh, here we go. Who's the bloke ahead of him? Jesus, looks like a packed house here, doesn't it? Shell suits are plenty as well. <laughs> it was the proper shell shoes era. Shell, shell suits era. That does look a bit like Dynamite Kid, actually. Oh, imagine if it was. Here's the Legion of Doom. All right. <laughs> That's not the worst looking hawk I've ever seen. No, it's not. He's all right, actually. Oh, he, He's he, doing he did, a good job. He did lots of local indies, like, because they were a team, him and uh, Ricky Knight, doing the, the Legends of Doom, and he went singles. I remember seeing his picture in the paper once and thinking it was real. Uh, I never went to the show, though. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he would go down a tree at Bootle, wouldn't it? <laughs> sort of stuff. The uh, Newcastle Metro as well, just pl- ploughing along. And back to the wrestling. Bulldog just downed uh, Road Warrior Porker as that animal. I don't know. Should we turn this off? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll watch the rest later. <laughs> you said you missed it now. I was I had you more down as a Green Jill kind of guy, Joe. I was. Through and through. Mate, <laughs> any London-centric drama, I was there over a... I don't... I, yeah, a Corrie I quite liked back in the... Well, I still don't mind it now occasionally. Brookside, of course. I loved a bit of Brookside as well. But yeah, I was always more of a... EastEnders and Grange Hill were always my... And the Bill were always my wheelhouse. Either of you ever watch El Dorado? No. I know of it. I never uh, saw it. It was shite. It was. It was, it was absolutely... It was just god all Very incredibly low rent. But, yeah. Any other soaps? <laughs> nah. This is awkward. This has gone very awkward now. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, we if you were expecting a wrestler to be related to... Uh, to, to sorry, if you are expecting a wrestling personality to be related to Deck, probably wasn't going to be Dixie Carter, was it? Look, what I was saying is, I'm hoping this is an angle to get Dixie Carter on like, the next series of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here or something. Because I saw Ian Wright's going to be on there. I'd love to see a bit of Dixie Carter and Ian Wright in the jungle. I don't think they'd get on. I mean, there'd be fireworks. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Uh, <sighs> I'd be well up for that. That's, I mean, on this, she's a bit... Is she living in Ireland? Or is he just over there for You'd this? be the man to know. I mean, you had Nova JP booking the next fight, or when SoCal Val goes over for a visit, <laughs> JP will be coming the <laughs> I'm just having a look now. Dixie Carter Island. Is she? Yeah. Oh, it says long lost cousin on TV. They met for the first time in an Irish pub. No, she'd flown over there to meet him in Ireland. 
for a surprise journey. Perhaps you had the swinging scenes good over there or something. <laughs> could see her being into that. Any comments? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so. As a segment, though, I actually thought they'd know a bit more about Impact. I don't know why. Why would they? I just assume. Ant and Deck know anything about <laughs> TNA? Well, the man I watched it like a bit of challenge TV. Sort of learn off some of the older hosts. I think they've got more important things going on, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as, as clips go, that was just weird as fuck mm. for being that. Um, okay. I won't be watching any more of it. It doesn't look necessarily particularly exciting. This might well have been the high point. Um, her daughter seemed very keen, very happy that she'd met Ant and Deck. Of course. Daughter Serge, I should say. Oh, it's, it's, you were right, yeah. Serge, Serge's daughter. Yeah. But yeah, what did you make of it, Benno? I haven't seen it. I, 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 but based on that, that review, I do want to dig it out and watch it. Um, yeah. I've I made a little sound clip. You have, have, a, have a listen to that. See what you think. Uh, that check. kind of sums up the overall reaction. You don't need to really watch it. Uh, it's very much a low rent. Who do you think you are? Mm. And I decided just to get an and deck in and have some sort of weird competition around it. Very odd. Oh, what a shame! I, again, and with no Serge being there, I, I'm kind of you kind of losing me. Serge is always the the money past that couple for me. Who's a uh, wrestling theme music's not been the same since he left the left the scene. So sad to hear he wasn't on there. Wasn't on there with that and deck. I'd just like to see observe a, 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 a date between uh, Dixie, Serge, Wendy and AJ. I reckon that'd be an occasion. <laughs> just thinking about that AJ style Serge segment in the ring on Impact. Brilliant. Gold, golden years of TNA then. <laughs> AJ Styles having to sell for Serge. Uh, it's weird the way he's, uh, he's oh, so happy yeah. to be in WWE now, isn't it? Uh, I think he's uh, he, uh, he definitely uh, as much as you know he's a he's a bit of a Tory AJ Styles as are most of probably your your favourite wrestlers, but y- you can't really begrudge him. He 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 sat there through the dark dark days of Impact to get his blood money contract. So if there's anyone going to be mad at, it's not going to be him. Uh, talking to TNA, you know what date it is today? No. It's the eighth anniversary of the eleven, the eleven, the eleven. What, what's eleven, eleven, eleven? Wasn't that a thing that JP loved in TNA? It was the August one warning. Oh fuck it out! Ignore me. Maybe cut this bit out. <laughs> 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 that's awesome. That was that big angle that JP like loved in TNA. Is this the, the one with um? Oh, what's it called? Tito Ortiz and uh, and Ken Anderson and that that because that's August one warning. Nah, this is this is the one with Abyss. Oh, right. It was. It was 10, 10, 10. Oh, fuck it. Oh, out. there you go. Almost. It's out. No, no. JP's got the impact knowledge. We've got the ROH knowledge. We're, we're the ones who are made up when a it, damn math returns to ROH. JP can be made up when it's 10, 10, 10. Ex- yeah, exactly. So you can keep your Xavier's. Um, <laughs> Sound the contract, in, you know, in Joe's defence here, I'm sure I've been calling it 11-11-11 for quite some time, <laughs> for whatever reason. But it's... Uh, for this moment. Yeah, it was basically the birthplace of, of the Immortal Stable. As we all remembered, and it's shaken the foundations of the wrestling industry to this very day. <laughs> we are uh, a big Dan Math fan back in the day, Joe. Uh, I don't know if he's before your time. He's uh, unbelievably made a fan of Bully Ray. I can't, I can't think of another... Classic ROH wrestler who would be more Bully Ray's type. Got himself a contract, didn't he? I'm just hoping the uh, the Carnage crew are next. Maybe bring Monster Mac in. No, just me. 
Uh, yeah, just you, mate. Um, well, I won't be watching, so whatever. Um, Dan Math, I was more of a fan of the uh, off-screen view between him and Homicide, which seemed to exist on, like, MySpace or somewhere <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, on, like, the DOI forums and stuff. Yeah, whatever Dan yeah. Math did to Herbie Blackboard from ROH, uh, it sounds like. It only took them the 18 years to bring him back or however long it is. 15 years? Jesus. Yeah, 15 years, yeah. Him and BJ Whitmer, <laughs> decent tag team for a bit. Uh, they were okay. They were okay. I always preferred them when he was with Monster Mac in that uh, opening. Mate, get the Carnage crew back in. Yeah, there you go. That, that's that's my era. Them too when they were uh, when they were the uh, the London Riots before the London Riots turned on to be a yeah the London Riots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Ring from Express them up for a comeback as well. Oh, definitely. You you, you would think like there's money in a nost- nostalgia ROH show. Like maybe only me and you would go, but you could bring those guys back. Like JP just said, bring Xavier back. <laughs> Do loads of stuff. Bring nah, Special don't K bring back. him back. He was shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Part of that was the gimmick. I think. I think he was supposed to be like not good enough. He was fine. He wasn't as bad as he was made out. Uh, the problem is WWE don't own Ring of Honor, and yeah. until WWE own Ring of Honor, <laughs> mm, you can't really pull this show off. Give him time. Give him time. It'll come. Um, mm. But what other notes I was going to make as well when you mentioned before, Joe, about the date? I thought you were going to say it's the uh, Grapple Versary because apparently it is. It's been a, a full year of the Grapple app existing. That's a year that's flew by, isn't it? Oh, happy birthday! Mm, yeah, Gareth's done well. We've uh, to, to to get to this point and to well you know, done, Gareth. I think it's uh, it says it says a lot that like the. This is the year where, you know, normally end the year, we're already talking about, you know, match of the year, wrestler of the year. I literally pulled up Grapple the other day and put use the filter on the homepage. This isn't an ad read, honest. Did the, did the filter on the homepage, got my top matches for the year, and I'm pretty much set. I'm ready to count them down at the end of the year. Good to go. Easy done. Although, I will say, me giving five stars to Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan has thrown a little bit of a spanner in my works. But, you know, I was never... I'm, I'm a very... I use spreadsheets for a lot of things in my life, but I never use, literally used it for wrestling. I'm glad that uh, the grapples came into my life and uh, it is very useful for that. But the thing is, I I would say that um, for, uh, Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan is well worthy of the five stars. Mm. It couldn't be repeated by anybody else. Mm. This the that's that's the only other thing, and it seemed to work in its own weird universe. It's mm. possibly the greatest comedy match that ever existed. Mm. Yeah. That's big praise. But yeah. I'm gonna have to give it some proper thought before I put me uh, me proper top ten together. But it's definitely in the mix. Uh, you know, I think that uh, I think at one point it was like the top rated match on Grapple. I think uh, I saw Gareth say on Twitter today it's it's dropped out of the, even the top five. I think at this point I know. Uh, uh, Devlin and uh, and Star is uh, is currently sitting number one over there, but I think it's got a place in a top ten. And yeah, you know, Grapple there uh, definitely has its uses. Oh, definitely. I'm I'm looking at it now at some of the matches I, I, that I've got on there. I think it was um, it was Devlin Walter this year, wasn't it? Yeah, earlier this yeah, year. Yeah, for earlier this year. That's the only. I, well, apart from some classic matches, that's the one I've got as five stars at the moment. So I went four and three quarter, but. Mm. Right in thinking overall, three hundred and fifty thousand match ratings. Wow, that's on there. That's pretty. Uh, that's incredible stuff in mm. the course of a year, mm. and the amount of what twenty promotions now. Now this is an advert, um, <laughs> but we'll do that properly at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, we will do. But yeah, we'll we'll uh, go through the show. I noticed uh, John Pollock did a little shout out saying you should be on the red carpet. 
doing the grapple 50. <laughs> we all should tuxedos uh, in hand. I think we could uh, we could make that work. We'll read them all out. That could be a thing. Oh, me and JP in a tux. Can you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> I can. I can imagine yeah. JP. I'm just picturing what hat JP is going to have to go with it. I could, uh, I could see you pulling that off, JP. The geezer hat. I might as well. <laughs> the it's, it's this kind of weather. Uh, definitely but anyway yeah so yeah congratulations to gareth and yeah it's awesome that we've uh we've come on board uh midway through this year mm-hmm. and become a big part of it and yeah here's to uh to many more years to come but i suppose as we are on uh on more wrestling related ground we should probably get into it i think we're going to spend the majority of this show today uh talking AEW and uh and talking the uh the big full gear shows maybe a couple of other uh, odds and ends at the end but before we do get into that i did have a couple of uh news notes i did want to go into from a wrestling point of view uh thought it's worth noting that uh, after last week we gave uh, poor Seth Rollins a lot of grief on air. It turned out that uh, rather than uh, give the rah-rah speech that Dave Meltzer said that he that he gave, it turned around. It turned around. He just sat there and, and said absolutely nothing. Um, as Vince McMahon uh, told them all uh, <laughs> how great things are with the uh, the Saudi Arabia deal. So yeah, you know, apologies to Seth Rollins. Uh, should probably throw that out there. Yeah, locker room leader. <laughs> Apparently. They need one. Uh, they, well, saying that, Randy Orton's resigned, so they've got one now. I mean, that's a big news. Come on, maybe he's teasing going to AEW, lads. I told you he was playing the game like uh, like no one else could. Apparently, uh, apparently Randy Orton gives no shits about anyone other than himself. Oh, fucking, and he's made his money. He's made it work. Yeah. I, I, la- I laughed at uh, this. The news was broke, wasn't it, on that uh, WWE backstage show that they got a... Uh, Ryan Satin to go on and be their lapdog and uh, and talk it up as this this big news story while the whole Saudi Arabia things just kind of happening around them. Um, yeah, the, the big news story, of course, is uh, that Randy Orton has uh, has resigned. Uh, didn't mention AEW by name. Uh, Satin either just mentioned that uh, Orton was uh, you know having some fun uh, on Twitter, but nice to see him uh, playing the two sides against each other and uh, playing the game the only the only the way Randy Orton can. In fairness, I'm, I won't watch him if he's there. So when he resigned, you know yeah. I was quite happy to know. That. I was yeah, like, keep oh, the sh- keep the shit there. It's yeah. like I can ignore him because he, he exists there. Any match I see him on, I'm going to be ignoring. I can't see a situation where I want to watch one of his matches ever again. Mm. I've sat through more than enough. <laughs> too many. Too many just bang average matches. Randy Orton isn't going to do anything interesting for the rest of his career. No. I'll, I'll make that broad statement now <laughs> yeah that's the place for him isn't it uh it was yeah. that, that's the problem aw turns into tna then just because it's randy orton snapping one up despite the fact there's probably mm. not much they could do with him um but yeah he's a uh, he's not someone that's going to make me uh tune into raw or smackdown but you know I, I always appreciate randy orton the man more than i appreciate randy orton the wrestler he was, i wanted to say as well about that um backstage show and you mentioned mm. it's like, because they've been trying to do this, they launched their podcast with Corey Graves as well. Mm. And the issue is, is that they can't do any of these things with any element of credibility. And that's the no. thing they crave the most, because it would require someone from within the company to be critical about the company. Yeah. And that can't exist. People really believe and- CM Punk was going to end up on that show, as if, as if you're going to get someone oh. giving an honest opinion. You're just going to get your Booker T's of the world and, you know, journalists like Ryan Satin, who can apparently be bought. Just giving, you know, playing it safe, uh, not bringing up any of the actual big news headlines that it were uh, swirling around WWE last week, and just you know, just uh, talking for the sake of talking. It's like the pre-shows, isn't it? Where like Jerry Lawler and Booker T can talk for an hour and literally say nothing. 
Well, yeah, it feels to me like it's a parody of what UFC Tonight was like. Mm. And then they would cut to Ariel Helwani and he'd go through the top five stories and they've just done exactly the same thing with Saturn, but except the entire thing is within canon, within, mm. well, canon, whatever fucking canon exists there. It's like Boris Johnson comparing his Brexit deal to a microwave meal or whatever it was he was doing last week while he mm. was at that Trump-like Tory party um, launch or whatever it was. It's just, yeah, the ability to just talk shit mm. and say nothing quite something unfortunately i haven't i haven't got that ability and i can talk a lot of shit while saying lots of probably quite offensive and quite annoying <laughs> things during during that but benner if you're not so negative you could get yourself a role on one of these shows so you know nxc uk mate once you and glenn get together for that point they have an idea i'm on i'm on too <laughs> many shows as it is joke that's the thing jobs for the boys too much not enough diversity in this wrestling podcast and landscape i should uh, leave that to someone else uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh, the other dude we noticed I was going to mention as well. Like, other all that stuff. Uh, did you hear about the match? I'll make one comment. Sorry. Do you oh, want chemistry on. or do you want diversity? Choose. Because this has got chemistry. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe not for that first 15 minutes, but it was quite awkward today. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, see that uh, Walter's got a match on Raw tonight? Are you going to be tuning into that? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, will, it won't. I'll probably never watch an episode of Raw again. The only way that I'm going to watch is if Matt Riddle faces Daniel Bryan or something. That's fair. That's the only way you'll get me watching. Mm. Tyler Bate, Daniel Bryan, possibly. I get the impression they're already kind of running on the fumes of the good, shockingly good SmackDown show they did with the invasion. And in terms of the other stuff that's going to be going on here, introducing people, and I can't, I just can't, the only, I was listening to Joe Lanza talk about this, and he said the idea really is NXT has to be pretty much dominant all the way up to Survivor Series. And I, there's no way Vince would ever do that. And but, also, who wants to watch a bunch of freeway matches? Yeah, that's the other thing as well. You get mm. to the show and it's so gimmicked. And that's one of my issues with it. I don't want to watch shows to get me ready for several triple threat matches. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just not going to get me involved at all. Well, they literally, like the match tonight, it won't be spoilers because by the time this comes out, it'll well air by now. But the match tonight is literally gets announced as Walter versus Seth Rollins in Manchester. There's then interference by Imperium and it turns into an Imperium versus Seth Rollins and his mates match. So you get like maybe a minute and a half of Walter and Seth and then it just goes into DDB, Gang Wars, Brand Supremacy, the normal stuff that's uh, that's well within their wheelhouse. Yeah, where people suddenly decide they're going to die for the red or blue or yellow brands in this case. Some In which cases they've only been there for like, what, two weeks, three no, weeks? Consider the booking here. The special relationship, the UK and the US. The WWE being, you know, so aware as they are, probably remember that it was Remembrance Weekend and thought, <laughs> let's have them crush a bunch of Germans because the, you know, the British crowd that are living in the past and like to remember their two world wars and one World Cup will probably love that <laughs> on Remembrance Weekend. And they probably were wearing poppies while they did it. So, yeah. <laughs> what else would you expect uh, from the big Trump fundraiser? Um, oh, that's yeah. a point. Actually, on the uh, 
on the uh, bad podcast front, like like you say, we might, uh, mm-hmm. you know, our, our podcast is one thing, but at least we haven't got Donald Trump Jr. on our podcast like, uh, like Jericho did yeah, this what week. what the fuck was that about? Oh, yeah. Like there's... He's got a book out at the minute. What's it called? He's getting trashed, isn't it? Absolutely. What's the book called? Oh, it's is just it a called... vile book is... about how everything is the fault of liberals. Mm, it's called something like Triggered or so. It's Triggered, isn't it? That's the name of yeah. it. Fuck. I mean... <laughs> one thing I would say is like, like we said earlier about AJ Styles, like people probably should be shocked. Like if Jericho turned out to be a Republican, like, okay. Like, you know, it's like being, it's like being shocked that, you know, the young bucks are Republicans. I'm sure they are considering where they're from. It's like being shocked. It's like, remember when, um, and I probably get, we've had grief for, for saying this before, but remember when everyone was shocked that the, uh, the Briscoe brothers, the, uh, the chicken farmers from Delaware weren't too hot on gay marriage being taught in schools. Uh, you should probably expect that like, Considering, you know, you're watching American wrestling and considering the American public voted a Republican into office, that a good percentage of your wrestlers are, that you like are probably not mm. going to have the uh, the p- political beliefs you are. Although at the same time, Donald Trump Jr. is uh, does take the biscuit. Yeah, that's, that is pretty toxic to go along there. That I don't think, I mean, what would there be repercussions? I haven't listened to it because I know, I just can't listen to Donald Trump Jr., I'd like to know how it came about. Yeah, it's very, like, is that something they actively sought out? I mean, that's, that's a very bizarre thing for him to do. Um, I don't know what he'll do listens-wise, if that is, is that a direction he's going to go in. The idea of being a, interview people is, uh, in and of itself, I'm fine with, but I doubt it's ever going to be critical or he's going to say, hang on a minute, there's a lot of stuff in this book that's absolute shite. That's not going to come up in it. Um, have you listened to any of it, Benno? No, I didn't realise it had gone out. I knew he teased it, but is the episode mm. actually out there now? I will. I'll drill down and listen to oh, it. Oh, maybe I haven't checked. I yeah, it went out on Friday. Yeah, I, did I, it. I can't imagine. Uh, yeah, to be a a great listen. Uh, yeah, he's uh, again. You know, while I will say, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if Jericho turned out to be a big uh, Republican. At the same time, yeah, nah. Donald Trump Jr. is uh, a step too far, even for me trying to be a uh, middle ground about it. That's it. I mean, it's it. You know, there's people who are going to have different political views within within wrestling. That's going to be necessarily the end of it. That's that goes into aspects of their personal life and it's monumentally naive to expect that it's in this case i mean the thing i'm going to do is i won't be downloading it and listening to it because i've got no interest in listening to donald trump jr mm. and that will more or less be the end of the matter for me i wonder I'm if still I'll... thinking he does great work in aew i wonder if trump jr's publicist was trying to set up media gigs to promote his book and was like Ah, the wrestling. <laughs> yeah. There's a crossover of wrestling fans who would vote Republican and like Trump because of his connection with wrestling. And maybe, I wonder if they approached Austin. That would have made sense, considering mm. the Austin being involved in the Trump thing. Um, yeah, I, I sort of wonder how it came about. You'd expect them to be on, like I don't know, the Don Fry podcast or something, if anything, uh, when it comes to Rogan. Republic. Rogan especially, uh, yeah. Yeah, I could see him being on Rogan, but mm. I think Rogan Rogan takes him from all over the spectrum, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his he fault, Rogan, he- but he I mean, he does he gives some really shitty people kind of a platform, which is a big negative on Rogan. But I do think he always gets an interesting conversation out of the yeah, even when it's the yeah. shitty people like an Alex Jones or someone like that. 
I think that's because he's slightly fascinated by them as well, mm. if anything. Are we going to need to up our game then with some sort of like interviewing horrific people for lessons? Rosemary West. <laughs> if she wants to do a live one from prison, I'll be up to saying like, wow, when Fred killed that daughter, you know, <laughs> guys, it's got dark. So let's, let's stop. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other side of, uh, of podcasting. It makes a lot of money. Those podcasts are always yeah. top of the charts. JP, we'll leave that to you. That'll be a Patreon to you one day. JP and murderers. That could be a thing. Jesus, that'd be that'd be bleak. I reckon if anyone though could have a nice chat with them and get along and find something to talk about, I believe in you, JP. Every time I interview somebody just like horrific, just go, well, do you know what? They were right to me, so that's what I've got to judge them on. <laughs> that's what people say about Jimmy Havoc, isn't it? Like I, I saw when he, when he when that tweet came out, what like the whole all the stuff about you know, getting choked out and basically being a cunt. All the replies, like, but he was really nice to me when I got a photo with him. It, like, it goes back to Joe's rants about, yeah, the wrestlers are your mates when they're, when they're taking your merch money off you. Yeah, no no wonder he's being nice to you in that moment. Doesn't make him a good human being, probably. Yeah, exactly. Speaking to a wrestler and then being nice to you just defines ability and how good they are in the ring, you know, and True. how marketable they are. Yeah, well, Chris Brooks is doing well. Anyway, um, <laughs> before we get into AEW, one, one last thing. I just want, wondered if you uh, had any notes on the uh, the really, really intriguing and uh, interesting New Japan World Tag League uh, tournament that's coming up. Yeah, and he was going to be uh, watching that. <laughs> can't wait for a break. No, uh, but, pre-season, no the pre-season matches yeah. to get him ready for the Tokyo Dome. Oh, my God. We, we said it, didn't we, that like this is the down period. But even by their standards, <laughs> like even if JP... Even you, even if you were half thinking about watching this thing, surely, no. surely these teams, like they're like, Yano and Colt Cabana is about the most interesting team I can find in the list. Shingo and El Terrible, Chase Evans and Bad Luck Farley, Kenta and Yujiro. Doing anything for you, JP? Nope, absolutely <laughs> not. I, I don't know if I'll watch any of this, to no. be honest with you. And like when, when Joe brought up, it'd be like a pre-season. It's like, Oh god, it'd be nice to sort of jump back effectively in with a little bit of build up maybe to the dome, maybe the last show they do before the dome as a as a little warm up. But it feels like I can ignore this. And I was thinking like about earlier on the year, I was quite excited about the idea of Aussie Open being in this. Mm. And that probably for me would have meant me watching a good few of the matches. But the fact that they're unfortunately not not in there and the makeups of some of these teams and you're thinking, well, who realistically could go through and win this and go to the Dome? And you're thinking, I don't think I could handle e- like watching a series of Evil and Sonata matches. <laughs> who are the tag champs at the moment? Uh, G.O.D. Oh, it'd be Evil and Sonata, wouldn't it, then? Yeah, they're literally and, uh, the only two tag teams in the entire thing. Like, there isn't another yeah. tag team in this tag team. Unless you count Makabe and Honma, or Tanahashi and Toa Hanare, Jeff Cobb and Mikey mm. Nichols. Jesus. Finn Juice would be an outside bet. I suppose they're yeah, they're kind of aligned together in story, but like yeah, there's yeah. just it's just an absolute I mean, saying that it's all like stars and jobbers. Who's the star and who's the jobber in Evil and Sonada's team? Well, isn't aren't they trying to apparently gonna get ready for a big push of evil? Mm, as a singles right? guy, yeah. Outside but- of LIJ. Yeah, I mean, I, I I won't lie. I'm kind of more intrigued to see Evil as a singles than I am Sonata. And I know that in and of itself, I can't say I'm overwhelmingly excited by that prospect. I'm more <laughs> like, oh, right, let's see what it's like. And then inevitably be not 
just sort of I don't mind evil as much as you two. The evil and Jay White era New Japan is not an era I'll be into. No. How about the but, evil and Jay White era of Rev Pro that's coming next year, Joe? What? <laughs> I just assume that's happening. Evil big singles run, Rev Pro champion. It's gotta happen. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Although Sonada looks like he's getting a next shot, doesn't he? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Mm. That's a bit of a worry. Yeah. We should all thank Gay though, shouldn't we? They've given we- they've given us the winter off and we can just look forward to uh we can all tune back in Wrestle Kingdom weekend. Joe can have your rose JP and everything will be right in the world. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. And I was I don't know if you read it, but WH Park wrote a, a sort of a preview of both that uh, of the new Japan Tag League, but also the All Japan Tag League, mm. which looks we were talking a bit about earlier earlier on before we started recording. That looks a lot more interesting. Mm. Teams in that and the matches in that seem like I don't know, like I'd be a lot more engaged with it. The idea Suwama and Chuji Ishikawa, Daisuke Sakamoto and Bodyguard. Um, who else in there? Joel Red, uh, Jake Lee and Nomura. That'll be. They'll be good. Yoshi Tatsu and Joel Redmond. I saw that. That's a team. <laughs> good that to is... see him back. Joe Doring, Junakiyama. Like, good. That's a team. Yeah. Although Joe Doring's sort of losing it a bit. Isn't well, it? they're both breaking down mm. at this point, but they'll have a, I think they'll have at least one or mm. two good matches. That's a lot more intriguing to me than any part of this New Japan one, but I'm quite glad to take that little break away from them. So, yeah. Mm. I don't unless anything ma- massive happens over the next few weeks i can't see the tokyo dome card is kind of i wouldn't say set in place it's only really the kind of lower undercards and on what nights they're having them on that's the only kind of things that need to be firmed up mm. but at the top of the card is pretty much set. Yeah, it's coming together quite nicely but i never watch any football during pre-season if it's a you know if it's a non uh, major tournament season I basically take June and July off football and watch nothing until the opening day of the season. It, you know, refreshes me and gets me ready for the next season. So I'm think I'm taking it as, yeah, just a nice month off of New Japan, which is awful that I think of my hobbies like work. But <laughs> whatever. There's going to be plenty of, uh, you know, election coverage and plenty of uh, Joe's political corner on this podcast for the next month was, or so, so that'll keep me occupied. Was it work watching uh, Southampton this weekend, Joe, or should I move on to AEW? Oh, fuck off. I knew we were going to bring that up at some point. Yeah, we'll let this uh, barren run of home form continue. Well, barren run of form, but our home form is like different level of bad. So many of my mates who have season tickets, my sympathies go out to them, honestly. <laughs> That's, oh, yeah, the first grapple derby of the year. Look, we lost, but I was well happy about the Liverpool City result. And that was a great game as well. So, yeah, that cheered me up massively. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, mate, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I don't. Uh, we, have, we have one good weekend and it, yeah, I'm not rushing out to get a season ticket. And you've seen how close I live to uh, to Goodison Park. Uh, even mate, comes up on my tweets now. a shower of shite at the weekend. Don't get too excited. Uh, I'll take it, though. I'll take it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we should move on to kind of... Uh, what will be the the main part of this podcast today? Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of AEW talk since we last recorded. There was a a TV show which I thought was one of the better TV shows that they've done. Didn't do very well in the ratings, but all in all, very good TV show, uh, and kind of led into their uh, their first pay per view of the uh, the TV era. Um, I think we can probably you know sum up 
our thoughts on that go home TV relatively quickly and maybe talk some of those bigger talking points from it as we uh, review the show itself. But definitely need to touch on it because uh, I know I haven't actually talked to you guys about it, but that go home show. Mm. I've complained a lot about there not being enough angles on AEW, and then there was that week where it felt like they did too many angles on AEW. I've complained about the matches and them being too long and being match, match, match. Matches were maybe still a bit too long for my taste, but as far as balance for a show, I really thought that go-home show was the uh, the template AEW should be following, and it probably helps that they had three of the best segments that I think they've done, the, from the Cody promo to the Jericho video to the show close and brawl. I thought they uh, they went into uh, to full gear, at least uh, from my point of view, with a lot of momentum, and I was uh, just based on that TV and based on some of the videos they put on YouTube, hyped going into it to full gear, and, uh, and well for it yeah i mean they i like you those were the three standout moments of that particular show Mm. i still think the show itself has its structural problems in terms of and we've said it as ourselves of some of the brilliant hype packages Mm. going into the the kind of when we talk about the buy-in show and, and what was on that like they were fantastic they had that exact tone of the UFC countdown shows we've said before, like the right level of seriousness, showing the kind of work that they're putting in, mm. being able to kind of work on the stories. Just some of those within the show would just like didn't need to be all of them, obviously, but sort of just like one, two a week. That would be I think that would have for me would have sent it somewhat over the edge because you could still lose a match from it. Mm. Yeah, I slyly put that countdown on my girlfriend was in the room. And she actually said, which shows that I've put a lot of uh, wrestling and MMA on over the years in front of her, that this reminds me more of an MMA build and as a wrestling build. And she was perfectly fine with me on the background and actually said she quite liked the characters. She'd never seen this side of Dean Ambrose before, which was the name she used. Mm. Uh, she found him quite intriguing. She found him more interesting. She asked me where the hot dog cart was. I was like, yeah, <laughs> long gone. Uh, yeah, and then said something about an ambulance or a fire truck or something as well, which she remembered. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so for me, just hearing that casual viewer's opinion on it, and then her sort of enjoy. I showed her the Chris Jericho parody segment from the TV as well, which she didn't get the parody. Or she hadn't seen the, re- the original but she cracked up at the he's the youngest AEW champion of all time line. <laughs> so so good. That was <laughs> such a great video package. Such a great video package. It got the the the, the tone so right. Mm. Even though it, I fe- I feared that it might babyface Jericho, it still worked so perfectly for what it was trying to achieve, I thought. Mm. Yeah, everything about it like the Virgilus Soulman Jones the uh, Chris's mum's friend from church, like J- Jake Hager just standing there silently. They got it perfectly right, didn't they? And Jericho still came across like a dick, but, you know, and he's always going to get a heel reaction once he actually gets to the building itself. Uh, but yeah, I thought they walked the line well. I know, I've heard some people say maybe they went too far in the comedy direction, but when it's that good and it's that funny, I think you've just got to give him a pass because I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant as well. Look, I love Kevin Nash taking the piss out of Arn Anderson's retirement promo <laughs> as much as that probably kind of baby-faced Kevin Nash <laughs> when he was a heel and as much as Arn Anderson apparently didn't enjoy that. Yeah, but, spot, you know, spot, my dog spot. That stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Arn's not a man, I think, who's got a lot of humility about him. But no. yeah, I, I thought that it was it was one of the best parody segments I'd seen 
on a wrestling show ever. It almost reminded me of something that like Joey Janela might do on a spring break or something. Mm. But the, how they got the tone exactly right, the situations were right. It furthered everyone's character within the package as well, but was fully aware of who the elite were and who Cody was. So yeah, I thought it was great stuff. One of the best things mm. they've done on their TV so far, I thought. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I thought that, and and again, I thought the Cody, you know, if you thought that was maybe too much comedy for you, you know, compare that with the Cody promo. You got the Cody, oh, go yeah. home, passion, you know, just feeling and just getting everybody in that building and everybody watching it at home, myself included, desperate for to be Jericho. Like, that That was a piece of work, uh, that thing. I thought that was absolutely incredible and uh, deserving of the plaudits that it got coming out. Yeah, it was different level. I can't, I think it might be my favourite promo in wrestling since the pipe bomb from CM Punk. Mm. I was trying to think what promos have come close to this level. Like The pipe bomb is my favourite promo ever. <laughs> Tim Storm's promos are excellent, <laughs> but on this level in front of a live yeah, crowd right. like yeah. this as well, the cadence, the tone, there was this almost like statesman-like delivery to it as mm. well. Like, it was the kind of presence that he kind of captured as well. The fact the crowd were hanging on every single word. He was taking them a journey. He was telling them a story. It was on a different level to any promo I've seen in years. Mm. Dusty-esque. From Absolutely. Like, yeah. That's really what it was. If you're thinking of any of the figureheads of this company who seems to get the idea of what a main, like a proper main event world championship feud and angle should be like, and the right sort of tone and delivery of it, as you've mentioned there, not only in the, in it, but the sort of tone they've got, they have throughout this feud. Like this promo is, it's the prototypical baby face promo because it doesn't make them look like an idiot at any stage. And they also have parity with the heel, even though the heel may be sort of a lot more insulting. Although his line about a lion's tail being available for, for that three dollars. That was a great, great line. It's like fantastic. Yeah, this it's the best baby face Absolute promo. Absolute bargain at that price. An incredible book though. I've read it twice. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it somewhere, I don't think I've ever finished it. Is that the one where he skips back and forth from the fuzzy stuff? Because I was skipping those fuzzy chapters. No, it's the first book. Oh, the first, first book. one. I have read that then. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, yeah. I've read that. Yeah. I've got that. Mm-hmm. It's a good book. Good book. <laughs> <laughs> Something to walk it again, mate. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Something right. yeah. <laughs> Going back to the promo. Very tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am knackered today. Like, really, really feeling it. Um, but going back to the promo anyway, in terms of the crowd reaction as well, it was the way they were hanging on every single word. And to get a crowd to pay full attention to an in-ring promo in this day and age, I think it's hard. Mm. And they were fully with him. There was no one chanting shite. He was getting a babyface reaction. People were invested. People invested a major title feud mm. on a major pay-per-view. Wow, when was the last time this really happened at this level? And, you know, that really made me quite happy. And the fact mm. that Cody has improved to this level where he's got that much confidence mm. and he feels comfortable executing that sort of promo, yeah, good on the man. Is, is he the most improved wrestler this year? I'd say in, in the ring, maybe Lance Archer. Mm. But as an all-rounder, mm. I don't think there's anyone that has improved at this level in 2019 because he's gone from a guy touring the indies who was getting better, was mm. decent, but 
I left a show when yeah. it main evented in Portsmouth. Oh, yeah. So I could be off with a match. Yeah. Wow. And now, I think he's my favourite. He's the most invested I've been to wrestler in ages. He's the best babyface in US mainstream wrestling since Daniel Bryan, if you ask me. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and it's true. And he's got that connection to the fans. And he's got something that I think the rest of the the AEW roster doesn't have. I think there's just something special about Cody right now. And again, we're talking about Cody Rhodes. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Matty will, will claim that he's been good since 2009. Uh, I don't think that's true. Uh, I think he was, he, we've no. seen flashes of okay from him. That little tag run with uh, with him and Dustin against the Shield. You know, we had some some good little flashes of brilliance from Cody at times, but overall, he was a very bang average to be mid carder, wasn't he? And yeah, to see yeah. him reinvent himself to this degree is uh, is something else. Uh, and I mean, going into this pay per view, yeah, I, the reason I bring I brought up Tim Storm before is because like with Tim Storm, you, you cut a promo like that, and I'm ready to run through a wall for you. And I was there mm. with him for the, that entire match. But I'm not sure you can say that about the entire show. I mean, we should probably talk uh, full gear as a as a whole now. There were. There were highs in the show. There were, you know, middling points, uh, I thought, as well. But, yeah, you know, all in all, it was uh, pl- plenty of talk and points coming out of it. But I suppose that you, you both mentioned it before, the uh, the pre-show. I thought uh, that was actually strong this time. They didn't waste an hour on on nonsense and an hour on library and stuff. We got the one match and we got a half an hour of, of promo packages and videos. We also, unfortunately, got Brandy McMahon as a comic book villain. But uh, all in all, it was uh, it was great and uh, similar to the TV going in, another great way to, to whet your appetite going into the big pay-per-view. Any notes on that? I remember sending a message to like the group chat just going, oh, my God, like really enjoying this this opening packages mm. loving these promos in generally the match between b Priestley and Britt baker it was okay mm. i wouldn't go it was, was fine a, it was fine i think i went two and a half Britt baker it. is green she's out she's mm. very she's very green mm. but it does help there in front of a crowd who are wanting this to work mm. as well well they've got people invested in it yeah and they've they've built a reasonably good storyline between two women who are almost like prelim wrestlers like mm. Fair play to him for actually being able to give this some substance to mm. story as well and sticking with it from that that show that was outside wherever it was when she got the concussion. Like mm. that was what four months ago. Oh yeah, and they managed to take this through that four month run. You know, fair play to him. I thought it was fine. Mm. However, it was all ruined by Bradley <laughs> Rhodes coming out. That was that. awful. Like, what is she? Uh, it'd be, you know what, JP? It'd be fine if she right. was like. If this was all you saw of Brandy Brandy Rhodes, but in that Stephanie McMahon, ve- you know, like on WWE TV where she's the villain on TV, but then they'll show you like giving, you know, toys to a Make a Wish kid on the same TV show. Like yeah. she's in all the Cody Rhodes videos, standing behind her, be- by- behind him, being a normal human being, and then all of a sudden she's like dressed up as a witch, like she's been in the same bin behind Sports Direct that Evil gets all his gear. Like, what is she? Like, I don't understand what this whole character is supposed to be. It just, it's so hammy and it's just, it's very Lucha Underground and it's just very, just vanity for me. It's a vanity project more than anything. Given the choice, this or the librarians? Neither. <sighs> yeah. But the, at least the librarians are there to get squashed. As long as you don't get, yeah. I yeah. can take that. She's being presented as like it's an important part of the show. Uh, I don't get it. Reminds me of Bray Wyatt. Mm. Yep, that's kind of the, the hair. The dark Boris horror is Johnson. kind of a very Bray Wyatt kind of esque thing. Boris Johnson, Boris Wyatt. 
as, yeah. uh, as Andy uh, <laughs> pointed out. Yeah, it just doesn't really fit, does it, with the uh, the overall? But I thought that was like the one negative of the pre-show. Like I say, all the videos are great. I love the three-man booth on the pre-show as well. I thought uh, Taz or Golden mm. Boy, either of them, I would have taken over to the main show just to... Definitely. Taz def- is good. I don't like three-man booths, but, you know, if it just made JR speak a little bit less, I would have taken it. And yeah, Taz... You know, JP, I know you're a big fan for, from the Impact days, but, you know, I think he has, I think immediately... Oh, and, and the SmackDown days. Sure, there is that too, but really you're a big fan of the Impact stuff. I know you, JP. Yeah. Uh, and his ECW days of it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, that too. But, like, I think if they'd have come in from the start on TV and made Taz one of the commentators, he's got too much of that TNA stink on him. Whereas now, I don't think it matters. I think he's proven himself. He had a good performance on Dark. He had a good performance on the pre-show. I think he's uh, he's earned himself a job as he was uh, so desperately trying to do on Twitter with him, uh, towing the company line and putting them over for about two weeks in what made his tweets look like a, like he was in a job interview. Uh, but, you know, if it works out for him, it, it works out for him. Yeah, I thought it, was, it, it felt like, I mean, the reason I bring up the SmackDown, that that period of time when he was just able to call moves. Mm. In the possibly... The him team, and Michael Cole. Him and Mo- Michael Cole, the best that Michael Cole ever had been. Michael, I know, I remember was, this with... <laughs> the Smarks choice, Michael Cole, that was a thing once. Yeah, God. He was never my choice. <laughs> no, will be my choice. The only thing I liked Michael Cole doing was when he was a heel, and everyone hated him as a heel, and oh, I found him hilarious. He was like the Ian Beale of WWE at that point, I thought. I mean, I loved his tattoos when he revealed them. Him doing that Daniel Bryan stuff. I can't lie. I genuinely loved it. I thought it was hilarious. He was awful, but hilarious at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's... uh... Yeah, Michael, Michael Cole has uh, kind of gone the opposite direction, whereas Taz actually, you know, has turned into a, a very yeah. good commentator. Uh, I'd love to see him all Golden Boy on the main show. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was a I big note. Golden Boy is surprisingly good. I mean, mm. in a way, he's kind of inoffensive. Yeah, I still that's think the, probably it. the best commentary I've heard in AEW so far mm. is that episode of Dark where it was Taz and Excalibur. Mm. I thought as a, as a two-man booth, they just had lots of natural chemistry together. Mm. And Taz said that he met him eight hours before the show, but said they just hit it off instantly and they knew there was a chemistry there. And yeah, I've not had any better commentary. I miss Shivani from Same. the main booth on the show. Mm. I thought Tone was a massive miss. Mm. Do you think they're going to get to the point where they're thinking how I mean I don't know how long long a contract Ross is there whether or not it's for a year try and sort of stabilise things and then move him out Mm. please or get him backstage doing something yeah just anywhere there was a I mean I'm jumping ahead because we'll go through all the matches but there was a point in a match where I can't remember what it was it's one of the matches where he pointed out something really obvious. Where it, that's what it was. It was the lights out match, and he was like, "Why is the referee? Why is the referee even here if it's an unsanctioned match?" And it's like, "No, Jim, your job is to tell us why the referee's there. Your job isn't to point out the flaws." And that's his problem throughout the show. He does it with the tag ropes. He does it with the tag rules. Oh, I mean, that was bad. Good luck to you trying to get Pentagon to follow tag rules. It's not going to happen. Just give up, Jr. Uh, but yeah, he's like. He just comes across like a grumpy old man, and he, he feels like he's on his podcast, like like we've said a few times. And I think, yeah, I think Giovanni was a big miss because you kind of get that just happy to be there. You know, he, he turned up to the TV this week with a uh, luchador socks on. He posted the picture on Twitter of how happy he was with his luchador socks and how much he was looking forward to seeing some dives on TV this week. I mean, that tells you what a great man Tony Giovanni is compared to kind of yeah, grumblier, miserable Jim Ross. So yeah, thought he was definitely a uh, hugely missed on this one. 
Yeah, he was, and hopefully he'll be he'll be back in for the next one. But is is this going to be a permanent? I know he's been doing this sort of commentary gigs and stuff for quite a long time. He's been doing like local sports teams. Yeah, stuff. I think he was he was over doing something like yeah. doing his real job. Um, but, but yeah, but would you back. would you both be advocates of even? At, I'm not saying do it all the time and every week, but sometimes sort of changing up the commentary booth a bit yeah, at times. Like WCW did. Yeah, yeah, different hours. Yeah, well, as WCW as long- did it for hours of Nitro, didn't mm. they? Where they switch up like, yes. Zabisco and. Yeah. Mongo and at least we haven't got Mongo that's <laughs> at, least, at least we have a Bisco a Bisco you will though he'd never let that one go would he he was fucking oh, garbage uh, but yeah I'd be up for that so yeah hopefully we get some more of that going forward but yeah after the uh, the pre-show we went into the main show and yeah I think you know as, as far as the show goes it was uh, a surprise for me the, the, the opener Santana and Ortiz against the the Young Bucks kind of thought they might have gone with something a bit more, I don't know, lively. I don't know. Yeah. I felt like the the crowd's gotten a lot of criticism. I've listened to a couple of podcasts now and read a couple of reviews. And they weren't great. But I wonder if they would have been better with better better placement of the show. Like a more, yeah, you know, if I'd you'd agree. have thrown that three-way, I know it was for the belts, but if you'd have thrown that three-way tag here, I think they'd have been more up for things because you know, as far as a story you want to tell, you know, the leg drama that the the Young Bucks were trying to do, similar to the back drama stories they were telling in New Japan last year. Sometimes a little bit too wink, wink, nudge, nudge for me, but I kind of get it as something you want to tell as a story. But it was more of the of a slow burn story match, and it was more about the Young Bucks trying to prove a point than it was for me, you know, suitable for this point in the card. I, gave, I still gave it 3.25 on Grapple, but maybe that says something about how, you know, for me, disappointing because I was expecting to go more than four for this and I was expecting yeah. to be bang into it. But yeah, not the greatest start, I thought. These lads should be having four-star match at least, mm. if you ask me. Now, I've got real issues with the way the card was structured generally. Mm. I thought that was a bad match to start the show with. Mm. And I think they've kind of fallen into a bit of a WWE structure trap where you're like, got to get a hot match on first. I don't agree with that. I think try and condition the fans to more of a New Japan approach. If I'm honest, I would have put on Sean Spears and Janela first. And I'd have had Janela do stupid shit for five or six minutes <laughs> just to get the crowd going. And then I'd have mm-hmm. had the Spears win at the end. Gone with that. Then I'd have probably gone with the freeway tag title or the Emi Sakura Rio match. And then I'd have gone to the three uh, most anticipated matches at the end of the show. Like they did for um, Double or Nothing. So I'd have had this third from the top followed by Moxley Omega, followed by Cody Jericho, probably, probably. if I was stretching the card. Mm. And yeah, I think that there was a lack of pace and urgency to parts of the card mm. as a whole. Mm. And I think that was due to the kind of weird structuring. It was like the crowd weren't ready for mm. the Bucks and LAX at that point, I thought. Yeah. Now, Mike Semfavivi was at the show. And he said the crowd are really hot. And Mate. they're saying that they might have been really badly mic'd. But like you guys, I thought... To be fair, like, yeah. we've said that, haven't we, about the TV a couple of times, JP, that the mic in seems off. But that Charlotte crowd for the last yeah. TV were awesome. They were so That was the hot. smallest crowd they'd had as well. They mm. were the best crowd they've had since probably probably double or nothing, actually. Mm. They they were awesome, I thought. Um, it, yeah, it was a real shame because I, Mike Sabavivi said that. I was looking at the front couple of rows and they were just sat down looking kind of bored at points of the mm. show, I thought. And you got that 
bloke who's in every front row of WWE pay-per-views with the green hat and the oh, green t-shirt and the goatee beard. I'm thinking, how oh, can he fuck off? <laughs> he's just a reminder of shit WWE pay-per-views. And he's always bored and he never cheers. He never does anything. Look, get the Ogdens in there. They'd have got this crowd going. Yeah. They single-handedly got Blackpool going mad for Joe Coffey and Pete Dunne and that match was terrible. <laughs> like, think of what they could have done for actual good wrestling on this card if they were there. They might, they might get the crowd going for uh, Shake El Shaman and uh, Flutter. Apparently that's a match coming up in PCW. Oh, get that over I the saw Ogden's that on Instagram. <laughs> I want to see that. That's a match I need to see. Uh, and the Avoca as well. The only place to hold it. <laughs> Flutter Wrestling. He's been in New York, so he must have been, you know, doing well for himself last couple of weeks. So we brought a good all the sweets back from New York as well. So got a diet down going to the Shake Out Sham match. Good on him. Who's got the better Instagram? Uh, Stephen Flutter or Great Okan? Um, Flood is the original, but O'Kan is slowly kind of moving up the chart for me. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Both yeah. better than Bodum's. Bodum just comes across like one of those people I went to school with. Yeah. Who was a complete cunt at school and was very ignorant and would just take the piss out of everything. And would take the piss out of me even like in wrestling. And he looks like he's still being that person probably about 10 years after he finished school. So... Yeah, uh, Bodum's a prick, but his Instagram is a great insight as to his very small mind. So there you go, everyone. That's our thoughts on LAX versus the Young Bucks. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, 3.25 I gave it, lads. What did you give it? Uh, Bucks losing again as well. That's another talk of points. Anything on either of those points? So I went 3.75. Oh, I still mm. thought it was a very good match for what it was. Um mm. I, it was a lot more sort of understated than I thought it was going to be. And I didn't expect, especially as an opener, them to tell the kind of story they told. I think the type of story they were trying to tell would have been better later on in the card. Mm. I thought that as an opener, when people saw this was the opener, they expected a more spot-based, uh, high-flying type match that you know that both these teams can give you. And I think that part of the crowd were, well, the crowd generally were thrown off by the fact they did end up going for a more story-focused match. Now, I think mean, if this was later in the card, people's expectation would have been different and people might have expected slightly more of an epic match. Now, I still thought the match was good. I liked the leg selling. I think Nick is, is really good and I think he's grown really good at doing those leg spots. I think he's really good at using like adrenaline to no-sell and then DeSalle following a spur as well. I think he's got excellent at that. But I just think it was too early and it didn't need to be here on the card. I was also disappointed with the LAX lads or Pride and the whatever they're called. Proud and powerful. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think they did themselves any favours. This is probably the biggest match of their career, I thought. And it was one of the more disappointing LAX matches mm. that I've seen in some time, I thought, in terms of their personal performance. Mm. I thought the Bucks were excellent. But LAX, yeah, I expected more from. The weirdly cast Maybe heels, this match isn't suited to their style. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because they're kind of cast here as, like, the, the bad guys in Jericho's stable, and, and they're, they're having to, like, kind of do, like, a heat match, like, as if, you know, it's a Rock and Roll mm. Express match. It's not really mm. their thing, is it? You want to kind of just go in there and kill it as a brand-new babyface team? I wonder if that's it. Did you uh, go any higher, JP, than, uh, than me, or uh, where are you as- as per usual, went slap bang in the middle, went between you two, went three and a half. I could um, like yeah. you, I, 
I kind of wanted to like this more than than what I did. Yeah, I think I did I, as well. I was looking forward to this, mm. and it just, although I'd just been, yeah, like you guys, the idea of of I'm gonna say LAX, LAX as heels. It's just not something of of all of the things yet. It's just not connecting with me mm. as part of the. I suppose it's going to be more inner circle related stuff is going to get them to that level. But this did feel like somewhat of a letdown. And you know, if you were going to open with this, in a sense, if you're not going to do the standard young bucks spectacular match, then everything else really isn't going to work as an opener because sure. that would be the only reason you'd put it in there as the hot match to open yeah. it. Think if they won that WWE style opening match, they used mm. to put the Usos in quite a lot and they'd always get over, right? If you're doing this in the opener, use that. I think that's what this, well, what these crowds mm. were used to, what they expected. And imagine the Bucks doing that as an opener. They would have been fucking awesome. I was going to say, and this goes back to the idea of structure again. The, I mean, I thought the crowd were... were into Britt Baker and and B Priestley by putting on matches like Sean Spears and Joey Janela there, the crowd you're going to get enough goodwill and that early heat from the crowd. And if that crowd are liking those big stars later on, conditioning the card to kind of go up in terms of scale, like and and we, you know yeah. we, we say about New Japan doing it, boxing generally does it. Mm. Um, that was what I was thinking as well. UFC, yeah, UFC do it. Do it. Mm, yeah. You want your main and your co-mains. That's your kind of big selling point, but you put a rock solid undercard mm. undercard there by kind of moving around this order because it's the idea of trying to, you want to be able to manipulate the crowd's reactions and when they're going to have the high and the low points. It's like, it's kind of doing a disservice to your audience. It's McMahonism, mate. It That's is. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, speaking like the anti-McMahonism, like that, that was the other big point I had, that the the, the young bucks being selfless uh, lost again. And yeah. I mean, I think they see them. I, I can see their, their logic. They're thinking, we're the stars. We're going to put the, the, the new tag team over. But have the book's been established as stars yet in this company? You know, no. that's a problem, isn't it? And the other thing as well, mm-hmm. they put LAX over, great, or PMP over, and they've got the Rock and Roll Express there. And I loved the Canadian Destroyer spot as much as anybody. I was bang into it, like just like I was at the Janela shows at the weekend. But did they need to do it then? You know, you've just, that's a very McMahon thing. You've just put the guy, the lads over. Let them leave with the heat. Did they, did they need to get, like, taken out by the, the, the old men afterwards? Like, I don't mind doing that spot, but it kind of said to me, that's another thing with AEW. It's, like, that lack of self-control. Because it's there, let's do it. They could have done this spot at, like, later on. We could have had a match later on. Didn't necessarily need to be there, did it? Especially after they'd gone with the, the route of uh, putting them over the books and having the books lose again. I don't think they lose anything from it, though, if I'm honest with you. I think in mm. WWE, it often feels like a burial and the context of it is very different and very obvious. And there's a motivation behind it to almost kill that person, kill the momentum. True. I didn't feel like that was the motivation here. I felt that it was very much a moment <laughs> for the crowd and the pay-per-view audience at home to pay off what we'd seen a couple of weeks before. So for me, I had no issue with it. I didn't mind the timing of it. I was into it in a big way. I love Ricky Morton and I love this nostalgia same, run with their game. And I hope we get a... <laughs> Rock and Roll Express versus LAX match again at some point. I don't know where and when. And I'd really like to see on Dark. I don't think it would work on TV, but I'd like to see a little uh, Young Bucks and Rock and Roll Express at some point as well, just for the kind of like, um, you know, old men against boys, <laughs> like 
generational tag match sort of thing. I think that'd be quite cool. But I don't know, like I say, if it would work on TV. Mm. Oh, it could, it could definitely it would work for me just because Gibson looks like he could be with the Young Bucks dad. Like, he is just the oh, absolute yeah. spit uh, of their actual dad. Uh, so there's money in that. But the problem is, problem is, Joe, the Young Bucks have probably put them over as well. Uh, oh, what a weird problem on. to have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought, uh, again, you know, a disappointment, but, a, but an okay match. And I think it, that kind of speaks to the entire card. I mean, next up, we got Pack and Hangman Page. Not a huge amount to say about this one, I don't think. I gave, I also gave this one 3.25. There's going to be a, a pattern here for this show for me. Uh, he's professional, uh, is Pac, and, you know, you put him out there in match two and he's going to have a, a bang solid match two for you. Maybe nothing more, nothing less, but the work in it's always going to be going to be of a, of a high standard. But again, I didn't think the crowd got hugely into it. Again, I'm not 100% on the results. I mean, Pac for me is kind of, you know, could be a tippy-top guy in AEW right now. Adam Page could be a top guy in AEW later down the line. I'm not sure I'd be putting Page over Pac right now. I think I'd wait for that. I'd keep Pac strong. I think you need to be establishing your top guys right now, similar to what I was just saying about the Young Bucks. But that criticism aside, I thought it was a, a solid enough match, if uh, if not hugely spectacular. I thought it was good. I really enjoyed this for what it was. I think it's the best match they'd had together. I really like the clear character distinction. I like how Paige is like this raw talent who isn't necessarily polished and is a bit rough around the edges. And Pac is this really polished, ultra-professional who's much smarter than Paige and kept catching him out on various spots at various points and turning the match around. I thought there was some good psychology to the match generally. Um, I get why they put Paige over because I think he needed something. I think he'd really struggled and really suffered from that Jericho loss when I think he'd been putting over his head too early. Then he had the early loss to Pack as well. So I didn't mind the timing of it. I thought it worked. I thought Paige seemed probably the most over he's seen so far. And I think he's mm. had some good performances on uh, Dynamite and those tag matches recently as well. He also seemed a lot more confident and kind of sure of himself than he has previously as well. So... If him getting put in these positions and getting to show a little bit more has improved his confidence, I'm absolutely fine with that. To be honest, I really like Pac. I think he's a great wrestler. Mm. I mean, he's kind of a complete wrestler in many ways. Mm. I just can't see him being a star here. And I know he's promoted himself as a star and he's not been taking losses. But I just don't know if mainstream US TV wrestling is somewhere where he can be a big star I just don't see that extra edge of the charisma and the star power that you need to make it to the top. So I almost feel like overprotecting Pack is a worthless exercise. Like I wouldn't have him in a pay-per-view main event against Jericho or against anyone. I would have him in a TV match main event where he gets a title match and you get a really good match. But I just don't see him as world champion material or as a full-time main eventer. So... I don't mind that. Long term, I see more in Page as a long term, uh, slow burn build, maybe two year build to getting something possibly. But yeah, I, I like the match. I thought it was decent. How about you, JP? What do you give it? Uh, I gave this one 3.75. Um, I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed the opener and echo a lot of the points of this is the best match. Sorry, no, I went three and a half on it. Um, I did prefer this to the opener, partly because I probably had lower expectations, to be brutally honest. Um, with this, I would agree to a certain degree 
about Pac. I think it's more the presentation of US TV as much as anything else. I could easily see him being, if he was in New Japan, for example. Yeah, I mean, oh, spent a I year in it. Well. The idea of him being like a main event star there yeah, is something I see that completely envisaged that. In AEW, I don't know if this this kind of, like you say, it's that form of kind of episodic TV, if that's something that's going to kind of lend itself, particularly if you're protecting in terms of wins and losses. I see him as the gatekeeper who can get the occasional title title match. I see him as the guy you beat on the way to your title match, possibly. I don't think we're hugely different there, because that's kind of how I'd see him. I wouldn't mm. see him as like, you know, the, the guy on the posters and the long-term world champion, but I would see him there or thereabouts. Like, I think that's the thing with mm. him right now. Like you said, I think we kind of agree. You could slot him into a, a world title match on TV and it'd be a suitable main event. You could slot him into mm. a... I think you could slot him into a title match or maybe a B show. doesn't have to be like an A show. I think... He, I, I don't know. I've got more confidence in him just because he is such a good promo to carry, mm. you know, a, a feud of, of that level. Even if, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he should be the, you know, the Cody Rhodes of the promotion or the Omega of the promotion. I just kind of think short term you can do that with him, whereas short term you can't really do that with Paige and it's more of a, a longer term game. Um, yeah, without a doubt. But I'm, I think Paige needed a shot of momentum now. I see that. Because yeah, he'd, yeah. he'd struggled at the start. Mm. And he had that very and good I mean, promo. he's got a little he? bit of that momentum. Paige can lose next time out. That's the thing with Paige at the moment. And I think I think they're going to build to an Omega feud where I think Omega needs to go over Paige at that point in time. Mm. So continuing with that momentum for Paige at this point in time, I think is more productive. Whereas I think Pac loses nothing from this. I think Pac is fine. Mm. You'll always Can get you see him being less over, over next time he wrestles? True. I would argue he needs... He needs another angle and storyline direction in terms of fuse, which is probably going to be Moxley is the way that they... I think you go with like Pac Phoenix or Pac Pentagon. That would now... I take yeah, it. That was one of the other points I was going to raise. you put Pac over Phoenix mm. and you're going to get a spectacular match at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely go, go along with that. I mean, I think in terms of Paige as well, one of the things you can clearly see is the benefits. We brought We brought this up in the past of when he did the G1 and he was working on that regular basis, how much he was improving given the people he was in there against. He's now at a point where he seems to be he's working on a weekly basis against generally good workers for the most part, apart from those few runs there. And you can see him getting back into his stride. He'd had his injury, seems to be getting over that. You can see that as a result of that, like like you both mentioned, the confidence is there. The cowboy shit phrase has got over. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it That's has helped him. That it's is, a shot in the arm for it. It is. It's a shot in the arm for it. Um, it's just not rushing it. And mm. I think we'd all definitely agree with that. It's not. It's just not going too much too soon with it. Yeah. But in that, there are things I'd like to see him do with that mid card in particular that would massively help him. And Joe mentions it by having a sort of a, a phoenix in there and a Pentagon in there. Mm. And I think something they really lack is, frankly, it's sort of a big bruiser wrestler as well in there. There aren't enough of them about anywhere, man. That's it. Um, where you where you get this person from would be it. Um, Jacob Fetu. Uh, I mean, he wouldn't be the kind of wrestler I'd go I'd go I mean, for. He's I don't not think bruiser, someone like... but he's got something a bit different yeah. there, I suppose, in terms yeah. of size and style. Yeah. But, you know, I think this was a... It was a three and a half, and... You know, it was more than what I expected as we were all kind of, I say, slightly let down by the opener. Yeah. Fair. Another pack match I'd like to see, actually, would be Pack Darby Allen 
in a bit of a feud where Pac bullies him mm. and Darby kind of gets over as this underdog. I think Darby Allen is a real shame if not really done anything with him since the Jericho match. I think they that's something they should have followed up on earlier because I think you could have um, really built him after that as this kind of underdog and he's probably lost a bit of steam based on that. But I think you could have a really fun feud with Pac and really gain something from it as well and I could see their styles meshing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely be money in that. You get the sympathy on Darby Allen, who has been yep. missing. Mm. Who you know, I I I love the AEW like you know moving people in and out of the TV. I think that's a good idea. I would say Darby Allen got himself over in that Jericho match. It's probably not. I don't know. A month off TV, I think, is probably a bit much when he had that that kind of momentum going. Like if if yeah, he, I'd agree. If, if mm. he's on next week's TV, it's literally a calendar month since he was last on. But if he does come out and they do like a substantial feud with someone like a pack, I think all will be forgiven on my side. Um, so I guess we'll see. Uh, just looking at the gap, grapple average for that match, uh, three point six nine was the grapple average, so in line with us. Three point seven three was mm. the uh, the rating for the opener as well, so still in line with us. Uh, third match though was where things kind of took a nosedive. I gave it two point two five. The good people at grapple uh, average of two point five four. Joey Janela and Sean Spears. I don't know. I mean, you, you guys mentioned before about maybe using this in a different point of the card and. I get that point. I'll be honest. I kind of just thought this match was going to be, and I think everyone in the room I was watching him was expecting it. Joey Janela was there to eat a horrible chair shot from Sean Spears, and we were all going to move on. Um, instead, we kind of got more of a of a match. Um, I don't know. I don't really get the point in Sean Sean Spears. He's got this grandiose entrance. You know, the lights go out for him as they do for. Th- several wrestlers in this company they love that gimmick to uh, AEW uh, knocking those lights out but I don't know Sean Space for me is very much that you know everyone wants their favourite mid card to get a push and I don't know I don't know if he's the he, he's the he's the guy for it uh, I don't know I don't see the worth in him that, that maybe uh, his best mate Cody does I thought this was a match nothing more nothing less uh, and, they, and we didn't even get the sick chair shot I was kind of expecting so yeah really wasn't into this one really not into Sean Spears and for me I think there's other things you could be doing with Joey Janela uh, where did you two fall on it? I went two and a half, and I think a lot of that was possibly for the Tully Blanchard spike pile driver. <laughs> you know what? That makes it that worth it. That was great. That makes yeah. it worth it, yeah. My, my note here on the match says, uh, no sense putting this further in the card. Match is okay. Spears is Tully Blanchard. The only thing interesting about Sean Spears is Tully Blanchard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the only reason I'm interested in seeing him because Blanchard is great in that role. Mm. And I think they need to be doing more with Blanchard. He needs to be the inner circle. Find a way to get him with the inner circle. Him as JJ Dillon. Oh, for doing war games. Dangerously. Do it. If you're going into a war games and with Cody's line about the match beyond, which excited me a lot in his yeah. promo as well. Yeah. That's where we're going at some point. Get Tully in there with the inner circle and bin off Sean Spears because he's just a bloke. Yeah, he really That's is. That's all he is. He yeah. really is, yeah. Throw all the bells and whistles you want on him and he's still well, going to be 10 guys in the JP. With Janela, yeah, exactly. He's. He, I, I'd wanted to have some faith in terms of what people said, but it's it's just not there. It's just dull as dishwater. The crowd was absolutely dead dead throughout throughout this pretty much. Um, it was intriguing afterwards with the promo where they seem to be going with Janela next in terms of a feud with Kip Sabian because they're the Penelope Ford That's line. That's a real-life angle as well, isn't it? Mm. It is. And I remember hearing Dave Melt talk about it. And I would say it's absolutely... You need to explain this, though. You need to make sure this is clear. And if they've got... 
if they can get some game changer wrestling footage or whatever, like some of them got the CZW footage for Moxley, be able to tell that story over a, over a little while. It's like a not so interesting Matt Hardy Edge, mm. yeah. Lita, which I kind of loved back in the day. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, and I loved Edge and Lita together. That's an underrated pairing. Uh, but I <laughs> feel sorry for Joey Janela. Didn't she have an affair? Don't know. He said something because I watched his his leaving match from GCW oh, right. against Jimmy Lloyd, and so that was a barnstorm. One of the things he said is that she did. She, I think, and this is none of our business. Obviously, I think there'd been a case where they had broken up. It had been acrimonious. They got together, then they broke up, and it was all right. And then she seems to have married Kip Sabian. Look, if they want to do so, Kurt Angle, Jeff whatever, Jarrett, and fine. Karen, which I'm sure is a storyline you love, JP. <laughs> oh, always. And that'll be on the Jeff watch list at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> my sympathy goes out to Joey Janela, and I hope he gets fucking over as a result of mm. probably having to have his heart broken even more while doing this. But I don't know Joey Janela, so maybe he's all right. I don't know. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, anyway, uh, next up we had uh, probably my favourite match of the undercard, the uh, the three-way tag for the belt. I don't say that because I'm not even sure it was a better match than, say, a pac man page. I think I just enjoyed it because it was different <coughs> and it was wacky and it was a spot fest. Again, as I said earlier, should have been the opener. Um, I, I think... Mm-hmm. A silly spotty match like this with Penta and Phoenix doing whatever the hell they want. Private Party doing their nutty offense and Kazarian Scorpio Sky trying to stitch it all back together. Uh, I think there's a there's always a spot like that for a match like that on the card for me. Uh, but yeah, all in all, I enjoyed it. Lots of lots of big stuff in there. Phoenix looked like a whale beater again. As I mentioned earlier, Pentagon just gets in and out of the ring as he feels like everyone else is doing spots around him. You're never going to teach this lad the uh, the tag rules. He doesn't care. He does what he wants. Uh, I quite enjoyed that. Uh, I thought the angle after it was uh, was goofy, but I enjoyed it too. Uh, a, a match I gave 3.5 on Grapple 4. I th- I'm not sure if I'm going to be the high man on this one, but for me, uh, my favourite match on the uh, on the show up until, until this point. Uh, I went 3.25. I thought it was okay. Mm. Um, I thought Phoenix increase this by a quarter of a star Mm. when he started basically doing the Phoenix show Mm. where he was just fucking awesome. Um, I thought a shorter, but much more spotty match would have been better. I thought it was too long. Um, I think private party looked as green as green gets in this match as well. And it's sort of that point where I sort of think throwing private party into this sort of match at this point in time, maybe you're putting too much on them. And maybe they should be doing straight singles and learning from guys rather than doing sort of this style of match with lots of teams in there. I'm not sure they're going to be learning from the right guys in this environment when there's three teams in there. I would have done a straight rematch between SCU and Phoenix and Pentagon. I think it would have made the title seem more valuable as well because Private Party hadn't really earned a title match. Um, And I would would have possibly, if you wanted Private Party in the card, done a private party match on the pre-show possibly because yeah i thought this was a bit too much a private party at this point in time what do you give it jp see i'm probably low man so i went three uh i found myself I, I i thought it was okay and part of the reason was it just kind of washed over me at this stage and i don't know whether or not it's because i'd gone through those other matches on the card and i'd seen this and I don't know what it was. There's also that part of me that's just not in... It feels like Lucha Brothers aren't as much of a big deal as they should be within this. I mean, it feels like 
SCU are having have the titles in order to lose it to um, Ortiz and Santana. And I'm not a fan of triple threats generally. I didn't like the medal stuff. Way to survive a series. Oh, exactly. Um, <laughs> I won't be watching it probably. Um, unless there's anything horrific that I should sort of watch. But for the most part, I'll be ignoring that. As soon as Riddle gets pinned in five minutes, I'll be like, fuck this shit and switch it off. Digress. Um, so for this, I wasn't really buying the dynamic of this beforehand because it feels like you have this tournament and straight away, like, private party are in there as a result of a of of like a bronze medal i just didn't yeah it didn't it didn't necessarily connect for me like say i mean phoenix was like when he came in did the wild shit that crazy dive off the top onto everyone else i mean all that stuff all that stuff was really good but i suppose i've seen it before so mm. yeah i didn't did enjoy this as much as you benno Fair enough. Yeah, again, it may be more my kind of match. Uh, the Grapple Folk gave you three point two six, so again, splitting the difference between us, JP, but not a not a million miles there. Um, but yeah, the uh, next up was uh, Rio and Emi Sakura that uh, that that belt for the uh, that match for the AEW Women's Title that's been uh, built so well. Um, followers of Kenny Omega's Twitter will know how well it's been built because he put out a paragraph of a tweet about the history between these two and the fact that it was student versus teacher and it was this huge significant match and it was like yeah if only you'd done a bit of that on the tv mate might have uh might have cared a bit more i thought the match was fine i gave it a gentleman's three i'll be honest i didn't have my phone at the time i've uh i broke my phone at the weekend lad so i've been off twitter off the internet i had to watch the uh, i had to pay attention uh to the wrestling show rather and pay attention to this match rather than uh than wander off on my phone i wouldn't say i was hugely rewarded for it though it was still a, a gentleman's three of a match and you know, I'm not into the Freddie Mercury nonsense that uh, that Emi Sakura is doing, um, especially as like the alleged uh, heel in this feud as well. And just all in all, it was a match. And if maybe they put a bit more into maybe building it, I might have cared a little bit more and, and might be uh, on board with this uh, Riho push that they're doing. A few lads brought your phone on a night out, did they? Because you weren't wearing your poppy, Ben. <laughs> you know what? All it was was I, I am a, like an idiot. I had my phone in my coat pocket. And I shut my car door on my phone like a fucking moron. Uh, but waiting three days for my phone. Mm. It's been tough, you know. Like, honestly, you, you forget the things you use your phone for. I wanted to book a taxi the other day. Couldn't order a taxi. I haven't got a house phone in my house, so I was kind of trapped. Went to meet, went to, uh, to meet somebody. Just kind of had to guess that I'd be there in, say, half an hour. And, you know, hopefully they'd be around the spot that I said I was going to meet them in. I don't know. What, what did people do in the 90s with our phones, JP? I was... Uh, <laughs> I was you had to uh, turn up on time, basically. <laughs> you were kind of, like, forced into well, that. Did you I, get stood up very often? No. Didn't oh. actually, weirdly, no. I wouldn't stand you up, actually. No, of course. Oh, um, <laughs> good value, mate. That's what you want. <laughs> exactly. How do we get onto this again? Um, <laughs> the match wasn't very good, and I'm yeah. not connected with this Joshy stuff. No. I found it boring. I fucking hate this Freddie Mercury stuff. It is shite. What is she wearing? Yeah. Like, I look at what she's that wearing. Like, you're wearing a pair of like. It looks like you're in plastic overalls in a ring. Like it looks like something that should be worn like Mrs. Brown's boys or something. Not a wrestling <laughs> match. Like I can't take this seriously. And then it was fucking slow at the beginning. And we're being told that this is going to be like the cruiserweights were in WCW. Mm. Nah, it's not. The last minute I thought was pretty great when they started going a bit mad and the pace picked up. But it was too sort of too much of a sort of patient approach, expecting people to invest in it. I'm not 
into the Joshi stuff at all. I much preferred, even though I could see that on a technical level, these two are better wrestlers than B Priestley and um, Britt Baker. Britt Baker. I much preferred that match to this. It's a real shame that Io Shirai was picked up because I think Io mm. Shirai, I think she's the best women's wrestler in the world, and I think she would have absolutely, she'd be absolutely owning in AEW if she was there. Mm. I've seen nothing in Emi Sakura, and I've been told for years that she's this great wrestler, and I just cannot see it. The gimmick takes me out of it, and then the wrestling I think is technically fine, but unexciting ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, for me, there was like a confusion over the storyline. I, I, I went three stars in this in the sense that I could recognise that this was a, a a good match. I sound in that awful. Kind of very lower sense. I feel like I'm watching a couple of kids wrestling when I'm watching this. It's, I wouldn't say, there's something about, like, obviously they say about Rio kind of connecting, but for some reason for me. I don't get me, the kitsch stuff. It's just not for I, me. I don't, when it's the kind of overall lack of explanation, and Benno, you started off with the, the overall issue of there being this story. I don't think I'd like it with the but, explanation, mate. I, but in terms of, I think as a dynamic for the match, they tried to tell you about this teacher-student stuff, but in fact, it was just teal face. Yeah, Look, you can explain a story in Emmerdale to me, and I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to enjoy it. It's too fucking rural. <laughs> Is that the problem? Rio's too rural. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a cultural thing. I just yeah. don't connect with this on any level. And I've never really found this with any wrestling previously. But the Joshi mm. stuff, it's like, I don't know. I like most genres of music. But when I listen to grime, I have absolutely zero connection with grime music. I don't get it. I don't get drill. Mm. Uh, yeah, I never really got <laughs> drum and bass either. Uh, some, nah, that some was drum, great. Some drum and bass is good, like early 90s stuff, and all that jump-up stuff that all the twats at school listen no. to. Awful. Um, Need but, to be with me in the mid-90s listening to Jungle, Pirate Radio. Everywhere. I'm all right with that. I'm all right <laughs> with that. But Jungle's awesome. This strand of wrestling is just not for me. Hmm. It's JP. a shame they couldn't get, they got Maker Satamura in as well, actually. Yeah, that, that would yeah. work too. Come on, JP, you're the women's wrestling correspondent of, uh, of Grapple Spotlight. Defend your, your compatriots. Defend your... Uh, your compatriots? Joshua. I'm not Japanese. Were you a she <laughs> um, this weekend? I wasn't a she this Why weren't weekend. you there? I wasn't there because I was here. I was here with my kids. You should have been a she one as the grapple uh, spotlight women's correspondent, mate. Let the side a, down. Apologies. Yeah, clearly. Um, I would just say with this, I, I'm in this division. I mean, I, I still look at in terms of the star power of this of this division. It's kind of feels like it's Rio by default at the moment, and I don't. From and you know. Meltzer will talk about how much she is connecting on that level and the live audience seems to react for her, particularly at the end. But for me, it's like there are two immediate, we said this before a couple of weeks ago, there are two, if they could get them, if they could get Tessa Blanchard and get Jordan Grace, immediately then there is like a division starting to kind of really build around it. And that for me would be the direction to go. This at the moment, it's, it's there, but I'm I'm really just not engaged with it. And I'll also say as well, Rio's music is fucking awful. And, and it's like, I hear it and I found myself like almost being wound up by it. It's, I just, yeah, it's, it's not very good. As a match, yeah, I went three stars. And what did you go for? A 2.75. And it went up a black half a star with that last minute because that was pretty rapid mm. and kind of fun. 
Tessa Blanchard was on the tip of my tongue, as was Jordan Grace. Mm. Yeah, I think those are the two that are missing from this division. Mm. If you're going to use Tully effectively as well, if you don't put him with um, the inner circle, put him with Tessa. I think there's a, a natural and awesome combination mm. right there that people would want to see. Definitely. And I think Tessa would rule this woman's division. I think she's that good. Mm. Oh, definitely. She could, she's ruling the men's division and impact right now, never mind, like a women's division. That's mm. what they need. This is the problem, is it? Because WWE have kind of stockpiled a lot of, you know, there's a lot of average women women's wrestlers in there, but there's a lot of very good women's wrestlers in there. And basically mm. every other company is trying to put a women's division together, whether it be impact who've basically given up and gone into gender whether it be AEW, whether it be any promotion whether it be ring of honor and the shit show that's that their women's division sometimes you kind of think oh is there even a point like you know but you know there are again yeah you know if they can get a tessa and i think she's got another year in his impact on her impact contract for jordan grace would be interested in coming there are things you can do uh, but i do think yeah that's uh it's not been the the blowaway division that, uh, that kenny omega was promising so far no. Um, moving on anyway, yeah, that, that got a, an average of 3.37 on Grapple. What didn't get a 3.37 and uh, did a lot better on Grapple? Jericho Cody up next. This was the proper stuff, lads. This was what we all came for. Dean Malenko on Anderson and Kiji Muto out there as, uh, uh, sorry, announces the great Muta, um, despite the fact that he didn't have his makeup on, despite the fact he looked very confused as to where he was. Loved it though, added to the spectacle, Jericho out there in his, in his weight belt with Le Champion on it, you've got Cody coming out as the biggest hero in the building, and then they go out there and do this awesome slow bear match where every little thing they did over, got over from Cody's sting dive onto the ramp to the heart Hardway blood to just Cody's general selling throughout the match. I thought this was a, you know, I gave it 4.25, but I thought, I think I'm above the grapple average, but all in all, I thought it was a, a masterclass in, in this style of wrestling, the match that you were always going to get from from Cody and Jericho, and, and the match that maybe most suits Jericho's style as well at this point. I haven't hugely loved his, uh, his other high-profile singles matches in AEW, but this was the match for him, uh, I'd love to see more of it. I thought this was absolutely fantastic and, and worth the price of a mission for the for what had been overall a bit of a, a gentleman's three of a show for me. Yeah, I'm with you completely, Benno. I went 4.25 on this as well. Mm. I was with this the whole way. This was absolutely awesome. After the Rio Emmy Sakura match, I'd taken a break because I'd gone around to my mates to watch the uh, excellent Liverpool Man City game. <laughs> and when I went to play football as well, which was a torrid affair in that cold last night, I tell you. And it was a tense game. Um, so I got in bruised and battered, sat down, stuck this on, and ah, oh, it was a great way to recover from an awesome game of football and a knackering game of football. And I was fully into this match. I was engaged from the point Cody made his entrance. It's so much charisma on his entrance again. There's just something that he's got. It's an intangible he's fell and a connection he's found with a crowd that has just changed his entire game. And as a match, I thought this was so good. It's the best match I've seen Jericho have since the Naito match at the Tokyo Dome earlier this year, I thought. And it was a very different match to that as well. I thought as far as sort of a patient, well-constructed, well-laid-out, <coughs> world-title match, this was what a world-title match should be in AEW. They worked to both men's strengths, 
I thought that the face heel divide was clear throughout. There was never any moment of doubt around Cody. There was no sort of shade of grey. He was the purest baby face you could imagine who was putting it all on the line to win this belt in his only title shot ever possibly in front of his mum in the front row. There was emotion throughout the spot with the blood Mm. gave this so much more. Straight away, I was like, ah, Brian Pillman versus Scotty Flamingo from Beach Blast 92. And you know what? (laughs) I'm all in on Cody using his WCW and NWA references. Mm. As soon as I saw the judges, I was like, ah, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat with the uh, Terry Funk angle that follows as well. Uh, Yeah, give me these little touches Mm. that are paying homage to one of my favorite eras of wrestling because they've not been used in a long time because of Vince McMahon's ignorance. And Cody is making full and effective use of them in this company. And more long may that continue because this was a great match that I was absolutely gutted over come the end. And I didn't expect to feel like that. And they got me big time. Yeah, I don't think you can say much more for a match, can you, JP? Than than when it makes you you feel like that. And I was uh, I was feeling the same way, living and dying with Cody, and then outright dying with him at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I weirdly enough, I, when when I was talking about this with with Joe today, um, I'd given this three point seven five, and I had to have a bit of a think about it. And on the way back, I was like, no, no, no. But I, it was a for me, it was four stars, and that's being really kind of I think it's being really brutal because from a storyline perspective it's, and it's possibly yeah I, I would say that the beginning bit up until I said that face plant was the thing that kind of for me added the whole heap of drama into the match and that's really from the point where where I was and you know the way that they positioned it at the end I did wonder at one point if MJF was going to get um his uh, get Cody's mum to to throw in the towel oh. a bit like of, um, Owen Hart, yeah. Bret Hart against, against Bob yeah. Backlund. That that would have been the other whether or not they went in that oh. direction. Get JP on the um, AW booking committee if they've even got a committee. Well, oh, get all of us on there. <laughs> get somebody think, on it. To be honest, I, and I think they go. Oh yeah, they did this podcast and then big tone me <laughs> that. Canine then, related references, JP. Wow, Big time would just say that I'm spot on. And what of it? <laughs> you know, that's what he's into. Um, but anyway. We don't keep um, saying here. Florida, bit of a cold, unsurprising, given the <laughs> shite weather in this country at the moment. <laughs> um, I So, yeah, as the way that they had him throw it in, because he was completely trapped within the middle of the ring in the Lion Tamer, it made sense in the sense that he wasn't going anywhere it would have been a point where the referee would have sort of had to call the match off. So there was an element of plausibility to that as well. Even though I do always think they, they've rushed their way through so too many soon. angles. So many, yeah, so much too too soon for this. But if the aim of this is at the end, and I'm less, but obviously he's going to get a title shot in the future. He'll have to go through heaven and earth in order to do that or whatever way they work it out. But ultimately, what did they gain by the end of this match? Jericho, as a massive heel, as he's wanting to be completely over with that crowd, worked working in a way that works entirely to his strengths in his kind of match that he gets because Cody gets the kind of match that would work well for Chris Jericho. Hmm. Cody over even more as a sympathetic baby face. Um, 
and MJF over as a fucking monster heel. And the drink stuff at the end, I don't know if that was a that plant. Was, great. Was, was that a plant he chucked in? It doesn't Apparently matter. Not. Either way, it was great. Mm. I saw security removing him. Yeah, yeah they were like running straight yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. It worked. That it did. Good. It did work, and MJF worked on this, and 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 the promos as well. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to Wednesday if they give him a live mic in the ring and really let him cut loose. Yeah, but be interesting to see how far he can push it on TV because I mean he's poten- <laughs> he could potentially just become in that kind of instant heat magnet and a match with Cody that builds up and you know that Cody, they're going to be, they'll have been working on this for a long time between them. Exactly how they're going to pay this off over how long it's going to go. Yeah. Great stuff. I, I, but like you touched on something there though, JP, but that I'm absolutely mm. not in agreement on though. Do we have to do it now? Because I mean, well, I said, yeah, they've rushed through so much of this. Yeah, so the, in the moment, it's enjoyable, but I do get your point. Yeah, they've rushed the, to this point. Yeah, I was towel. a bit, when them James did it, I was devastated, but yeah. was like, oh, I wanted I want, it in three months. Yeah, mm. I wanted to live in that moment of devastation from the towel. Or I wanted to live in that moment, so, you know, that the towel angle where, you know, Cody can be somewhat mad at MJF, but he forgives him against the, the advice of everyone. I feel like there's at least a few weeks of TV in that. If they're built into a war games, surely you do MJF 10 in there. Surely. like Yeah, that's what I predicted. It was, it was a great he moment. He doesn't get picked on the team. And then, yeah. yeah. Well, I thought that they might have gone with the um, ROH CZW war games mm. and had, had MJF in the Daniel Bryan role yeah. where he didn't, he like was he low blow Samoa Joe in the yeah. match and walk out? Mm. I thought they might have gone with that route. He walks out on the team during the match. Yeah. That's where his turn is possibly in some way. Or he's the second and he fucks up the coin toss. Or I thought there were little things you could plant yeah. in that. Because um, what's the point in, in doing the, moment, the towel? Well, what's the point in doing the towel if, if that's not the plan? Because the towel... The, the spot, it was genius. It would have been better if it was Cody's mum. You know, well done, JP. But, <laughs> you know, it was genius in that there was plausible deniability for MJF. And the only reason to do that is to give you, you know, a couple of weeks or months or whatever of, you know, the willy-won't-y stuff to turn immediately after. Just, to me, it just, mm. it stinks of just being impatient. I just think that there was drama in this that they could have dragged TV out of. I I I I'm get I'm, I get where you're going, Joe. That you know, at the end of the day, I can complain all I want. It did work. He got over. He got water thrown over him. He's going to be back to being a heel on TV, which is his natural role. And MJF being this weird kind of quasi baby face, you know, you can't do it forever. But I, I still think, you know, even if it was a few weeks, like I've got a feeling this big War Games match is going to happen on that big Thanksgiving show in Chicago. Mm. Just the fact that Cody mentioned it in his promo before Full Gear rather than waiting until after made me feel like it's coming a bit sooner rather than later. I don't think it is. Do you think I, it's the next so I, I think that what they're going to do, I think it's a risk doing a War Games when WWE are building to a War Games at the moment. Mm. I think that they're doing a slow burn to a War Games um, I think that there's going to be the next pay-per-view cycle is going to be Cody MJF. I think that's the direction they're going in. You're going to get the big emotional Cody MJF match. Then I think you get to the war games of the pay-per-view after that. That's the way I've kind of read it at the moment. Mm. I might be wrong, um, but I think that they're really teasing it and really planting the seeds for it. But it feels like you've got to do Cody MJF at the next pay-per-view now. Mm. And we know what sort of style of match we'll get. 
and then we'll get to the war games. I think you need to do another Jericho title match on the next pay-per-view yeah. to establish and get the title over further. And I think when you go to the pay-per-view after that, that's where you do your war games. Nice, slow, uh, nice little planted build there. Little lines like the match beyond for those of us that are, you know, bigger old school WCW fans. Mm. But I think doing it in the same month that WWE do two, two war games in the same fucking show yeah. in itself would be a real mistake on their part. And they would have known that NXT would have been building to a war games because, well, they always do it in November because you must lay your year out in the most predictable way and do matches on pay-per-views called Hell in a Cell just to kill a gimmick. <laughs> so I think it would be stupid on AEW's part if they did it on that Thanksgiving show. But I could see how you might be right as well, Benno, in terms of the way that they are sort of going through stuff mm, quite quickly. Yeah, it's like they've got a million ideas and they're getting through them all right now. And part That's of it. like my worry about AEW is like, in two years, are they still going to have ideas? Like, what else are they going to... Like, I feel I feel like Cody and Jericho could have been a series. You know, there could have been another reason MJF cost them a match next time. I still think it will be. I think, think Cody beats Jericho for the belt down the line. Again. I think this is going to be a long, long-term Jericho mm. reign, which I'm all for. As much as I actually, in the moment, wanted Cody to win the belt, my thought was mm, Jericho needs to have this for a long time to establish the brand, establish the belt and to make that moment when someone eventually gets it off them even bigger. Also as well, you want just Jericho kind of each time he's more and more desperate to hold on to the title. So it's at that point where you think, okay, this is where it's going to happen, but it convincingly is a lot more structured. And I think, yeah, I think he's going to get a long reign. It kind of makes the match against Tanahashi, they're going to make any acknowledgement of that. Is that just going to, I assume, completely happens so in a vacuum? that was one of the reasons after Cody said the line about mm. him not getting another match, and then knowing the Tanahashi match on the horizon... I thought Jericho was losing here, partly because of that mm. Tanahashi match, and they were possibly rushing the belt off him for political reasons. I'm glad they didn't do that, mm. because I think that would have been a bit of a stupid thing to do. But yeah, that is an intriguing match when you think about it as well. I think Jericho's going to beat Tanahashi. The, Tanahashi's in a position where he can lose at this point, mm. and I think they want to want to bring Jericho back again at some point as well in New Japan, and Jericho's lost his last couple of matches in New Japan, so... It kind of makes sense to put Jericho mm. over Tanahashi if they can. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, but anyway, you know, as far as the match shouldn't get lost, the, the, the highlight of the show, as far as in-ring goes, for me, yeah. um, kind of leads into what we're probably going to say about this next match. I don't know if I say it. I, I, I guess. I, I've still got stuff to say on that match. Oh, no. Sorry. Moving on Moving on too soon, Benno. I was pulling you back. <laughs> just, I was about to say. Just like Big else. Tone getting enthusiastic <laughs> with his multi-million dollar version of EWR that he's really into at the moment and that's why he's speeding through the storylines <laughs> what else on the match have you got Joe a couple of things to pick up on um, the way that the cut was shot in the match mm. the way that they really honed in on Cody's face when he was on the mat to shoot that cut and to shoot the blood in his face I don't know if you guys picked up on that but oh, it was such an effective way to get him over more and mm. to get me more into the match and again, me sympathising with him more. I think that they deserve credit for the way that they are shooting these shows and the in-ring action mm. because it's not as distracting and as obvious as what WWE are doing. And also, we mentioned the, the spot of him doing the dive outside and the ramp. We didn't mention the actual ramp. Another WCW oh, yeah. homage, mm. which I'm totally down for. And I fucking love those ramps. They yeah. are so good and so useful and can make for so many fun spots. Yeah. If anything, yeah. 
And the last thing I wanted to say on the match as well is how well they protected the Judas effect. It's the first time I've seen mm. it reversed, but he didn't have to use it in the match. And they got over a different version of the Walls of Jericho or the Lion's Hamer in the match as well. That I'd never seen him do before. So you've got Jericho getting another more dastardly version of his kind of traditional finisher over, which I thought was a great touch. Just a really great match with some really great moments that has progressed storylines. Yeah, they may have rushed up, but it, it was effective. It worked. It functioned. Oh, definitely. And yeah, Jericho's a, a genius that he's gotten that horrible looking back elbow over. But he has, and it's over, and it works for big spots, and it works yeah. for the, and for one the last crossroads point. counter. One last point. The judges, they had no impact, but I think they need to make these judges a staple of title matches. Mm. And at some point, we're going to get a big angle from these judges. Mm. And when that happens, I think it's going to be big. I think you've got to establish it. You've got to condition the crowd to judges being at pay-per-view title matches, and we get something big from it down the road. Mm. Definitely, yeah. I think you can do that when you actually do pull the trigger. It won't just be like, remember when RevPro introduced the, uh, the, the, the counts? And it was just yeah, like, yeah. It, it killed it killed Pac Osprey didn't because we all knew what was coming. Like at least if you do it this way and you establish it long term, when you do do an angle with it, it's got that all that, that extra bit of a effect as well, doesn't it? So yeah, I love that too myself. And yeah, I echo your love for the ramp too. That was like I said earlier. That was very uh, brought back memories for me of Sting and Cactus Jack. Um, that big oh, yeah. at the top that Sting. It was that Spring Stampede, was it? Beach Blast uh, Beach 92, Blast. getting Beach a lot Blast. of mentions. A great show. That's great it. Yeah, uh, Ricky Reed, uh, <laughs> Ricky Steamboat. It's available match, yeah. to rate now on the uh, on the grapple. Oh, oh I'll be on that Rick Rude, Ricky Steamboat, greatest iron match of all time. Miracle violence connection against the Steiners in the main event. Oh, what a show. Bikini contest between Medusa and Missy yeah, Hyatt. Yeah, you'd remember that. <laughs> Missy Hyatt was in the front row here. She was right next to the judges. Just past the JP. I didn't know. I'm surprised you didn't swear that, John Porn. <laughs> well, just having a look on it to see if. Uh, oh, no, it's not on here at the moment. I'm looking at it. Gareth, go on it, mate. Beach Blast. It's got Capital Combat, Chai Town Rumble, Halloween Havoc, which I went on and I rated a couple of matches from it, including the Chamber of Horrors, which I gave three stars. I gave it one. No, half a star. <laughs> I'll have to rewatch it. Three, that. mate. I queued up. I waited outside Boots for good fucking reason to watch that show. It was the first one I got. You went 4.75 on Sting's squadron against the Dangerous Alliance. I, I, I went did. the full five on that. Wow. I didn't go the full five until I've seen it again. I was going on a kind of memory. I watched it like two years ago. Maybe less than that. And it's fucking awesome. It's a, it's a Melter 5, isn't it? And I saw Gareth was watching that himself the other night. I think that's a Melter 5 that much. Uh, yeah, it should be. It's, a, it's an incredible match. <laughs> I also gave on that show Rick Rude versus the Z-Man, the Halloween Phantom. I gave that four stars. So it's, uh, it's a perfect way of introducing Rick Rude. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Such that's, a thing as a perfect ruining spot. all of my credibility in one night. It wasn't there in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Well, anyway, uh, should we talk the main event? Uh, I'm dying to get your view yeah. on it, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Moxley Omega. Lights out. Unsanctioned. The lights didn't even really go out that much. They went out more on uh, on Sean Spears' entrance than they did here. They, I gave him 3.5 on grapple. I appreciate the effort. The, the, the barbed wire stuff was genuinely harrowing. But for me, long, indulgent 40 minutes of... You know, I'm not even someone who doesn't who dislikes violence and pro wrestling. It was just too much of it. It was excessive. I didn't love it, 
but where did you two fall or are you going to surprise me and uh and turn out to be a, a big lover of uh of moxley going back to uh to deathmatch mox so you're asking uh you said you were desperate to get my opinion benno so yeah okay <laughs> Do you remember that Jericho, uh, not Jericho, Big Show versus Kane match where they did technical wrestling and everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yes, where they got arm ringers back and forth, headlocks. <laughs> this is going to be my version of that. I didn't hate it. Oh. And I expected to fully hate it because I had a couple of messages from people saying like, this, this is awful, this is not you. And I'd also seen that JP had given this two stars on Grapple. Wow. I saw that Gareth had given it four and a half. I was like, <laughs> fucking hell. I'm right in the middle. It's wild. Um, I ended up going 3.75. Oh, my God. You're the high man on the podcast. Yeah, bizarrely. And I can't say that I... I don't know if I'd say I liked it, but I sort of respected it, even though this wasn't for me, and I thought they wrestled the completely wrong style of match. And completely misread what the fan base wanted from them. And you know what? The first minute or so, they have an exchange of strikes, which is really intense. I was like, this is all right. Kind of garbage can lid came out. And I was like, ah, all right. This match is going to be a lot of that. The exchanges where they're going for it and they're wrestling, I thought were excellent. And I thought there's a great straight up singles match in here. And that's what they should have been doing. And they should have been trying to deliver a match of the year sort of candidate style match. There's this hot match on the pay-per-view. Whereas instead they're trying to get buzz off doing noteworthy violence, Mm. which I thought was the completely wrong approach. That's not Kenny Omega as a wrestler. And I think John Moxley is going to pigeonhole himself with this sort of match. And there's going to become an expectation of a big John Moxley match has to be a blood match. Yeah. And, Mm. I think that is dangerous, especially when he when he proved in G1 that he's fucking good. Yeah. And at the same time, he came out of WWE, complained about the material, but also seeming like he wanted to do less gimmicks as well. Mm. And he's fallen into a gimmick trap already. And that is a shame. Now, I could appreciate that both men were working fucking hard during the match. And there were parts of the match that I thought were genuinely quite creative at points. Yeah. The stuff when they lifted the mat up was pretty horrible. Mm. It was quite creative. There were some interesting callbacks in there. Omega teased the Ibushi stuff or the Phoenix Splash. I didn't mind that. It looked horrible. I hated the glass bit. The barbed wire stuff was disgusting. Mm. It's not my sort of match. But, yeah. I didn't hate it. It wasn't some, it was too long as well. And it was too indulgent. I agree. And I don't want to see this match anytime soon again. I never want to see Omega in a match of this again, ever because it's the wrong match for him at this point in time. But yeah, I didn't hate it, but JP did. So (laughs) yeah, which was always going to be the case as soon as it turned into kind of a death match. Mm. At that point, I I started to dis. I started to dislike it and dislike it quite intensely. What it ended up reminding me of, weirdly enough, was Sabu versus Sandman from Halloween. Um, Halloween Havoc, fuck's sakes. Uh, no, uh, it was Hardcore Heaven, the second pay per view. The match that was really fucking awful. Sandman was lashed up to the hilt. God knows what Sabu was probably on at the time. And they had a, like a train wreck of a match where it was kind of spot to spot. Now it. For me, 
there were just these long periods as soon as it went into deathmatch territory where they would just be looking for something which was then inevitably that was going to be used for them to get slammed into, whether it was the glass or whether it was the uh, the big chain. It kind of felt that they were there for that. And I was kind of losing this more and more. The bit with the barbed wire on the on the broom when he's sweeping across, that was that was horrible. That was yeah, absolutely right. horrible. Shows us JP for making fun of it as a weapon. It actually works. It does work. And it's, that it's, back. He's still a fucking yeah, goof, it, but you know. It's not <laughs> exactly. But at the same time, then when the glass got involved, first of all, I reacted to it. And then I thought to myself, that would be cutting them up to shit in a very visible way. And we're not seeing it. And then I was like, oh, right, so that's gimmicked glass. It's it's not really going to do that. Okay, and they've done the spot where they put it in the mouth. And then when they went over to the barb, eventually when they went over to the barbed wire, um, uh, what was it? Not a trampoline, but like a kind of, what, bed frame? Whatever it was. Mm. And they went on to that. And it wasn't, and they were getting caught up in it, but it wasn't something that was cutting them up in the way that you would expect at a barbed wire. And the problem was with that, is I found myself looking for these things as watching it, as as in some in some sense, they kind of played, I'd say hard and fast with the rules of death matches, but <laughs> I just wasn't in that moment. And so I just, for me, it just did nothing for me. And I didn't like the way that they'd gone to the lights out stipulation. It's my overall complaint now about AEW is the fact that they're rushing through stuff like that at such a tremendous speed. So I didn't like where this was going. Omega is naturally suited to this type of match. It felt for me it existed because Moxley had really wanted to do I this type Omega of a was death all match. Right in that type of match, though, I thought he okay. pulled it off. I didn't. He I did, thought he was a goof. I thought like doing his pulling his faces stuff and doing his comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought he was completely out of place. I don't think he fit the match at all myself. I thought that he was decent in the match. I thought the exchanges were good. I thought there was he he kept up an intensity at points. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought that he, as a performer, was pretty good at time. At times, I don't know. I know me and you very much differ on Kenny Omega, Benno. <laughs> but I, I thought wrong sort of match for him. But mm. I didn't think his performance was bad by any means in the match. Uh, I mean, I still gave it three and a half. So you know, I, I mean, I, I'll give him credit for the fact that he was willing to take some, like JP. JP said there, you know, the difference in, you know, okay, some of the stuff was gimmicked, but a lot of it very much wasn't. And he was up for it and mm. he was taking the big bumps. I think in the oh, individual... Oh, no, I, I, see, I hate that stuff. I don't like that there is this mentality now that wrestlers earn stripes for doing this, this type of match. It's like when Connor Mills and David Francisco had a death match on some throwaway indie show in London, someone told me about it. You know, why? Like, because wrestlers <laughs> see this as a way of earning stripes. And... When you're saying that, that's almost endorsing that point of view, if you ask me. So I've I've got to completely disagree with that. Uh, adults, yeah, all right. He took want. some big spots. He's got some injuries, but I don't have any more necessary. I don't know. I've got respect for the the fact they worked hard, but not for the fact that he landed on wood. If that makes any sense, it does. But then there's no point. In, I think we, where we agree then is there's no point in doing the match. Like no, there's not. Yeah, there's not. It's, yeah. Which is really where we get to of having a lights out match at this stage. But you could, yeah. I think this feud should have been they built to a match. They have a great match. Yeah. Something bad happens at the end of the match or on TV. We then build to a lights out or a street fight match mm. at another point. 
That that's how I would have done this. Bill. I'd have had Omega win the first match, mm. and then Moxley get his win back in the Moxley match, possibly. Yeah, yeah build's important there, isn't it? Like that's the other thing that I think I was watching it, and you know, I like you know, on record as the the one of the three of us who will sit through death matches and will often enjoy them. I was sitting there watching this forty minute epic and watching them kill each other, thinking I'd be bang into this much more if I cared about the grudge that they're in, if this felt like it mattered. Because mm. at the end of the day, I mean, they've gone out the way to say, you know, wins and losses don't matter for this one. It's, you know, it's unsanctioned, therefore it's 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 off the record. So what does matter is this grudge. And the grudge wasn't really there. So yeah, if this was three matches yeah. along and I felt like I was part of the grudge, and, you know, I can't help it, I'll kick a man while he's down. And Kenny Omega had pulled his weight in making this feel like a feud he even cared about in the first place. I think I'd have been more with it. There was no... I think maybe that's what it is. There's, I'm giving it 3.5 for the big spots, but as far as like an emotional connection to what they were doing and a a blood feud for a what is a blood feud match, those elements just weren't there. I think that's the biggest problem with this match. It was... You know, I'm not mm. the, I'm not normally the guy to say violence for violence sake, but it was violent for violence sakes, and it was John Moxley fancies doing this type of match. So as with everything in AW, let's indulge him and let him have his match. Mm. I feel like so. No, go on, Joe. Uh, go on. No, that's Sorry, it. that's I, all I was going to say. So I was I'm completely with that, and then the match started, and I did feel some of the intensity of the, like an actual feud, which I didn't expect to especially the open ex- opening exchange, I was like, oh, okay, there's something there. And the way that they've opened with this kind of strike battle, there's something there. This is kind of working. Yeah, I didn't like the fact they went with the gimmicky stuff. And also, that mousetrap board, them fucking mousetraps. <laughs> I bought those exact mousetraps from B&Q a couple of months ago. I but I had a fucking mouse. Useless. Absolutely <laughs> useless. Didn't get that bloody pest. I had to go and get some more expensive mouse traps, which one of my ex students who worked in B and Q, or he was a current student at the time actually, helped find me in there, and they did the job on that fucking mouse. <laughs> which uh, yeah, I had to find dead, which was horrible, oh, and nice. I had to throw him over the back of my garden. But yeah, I hope they did more damage on their backs <laughs> than they did to that fucking mouse when he was eating my food. That's for sure. <laughs> Sorry. Where were we? <laughs> Uh, I think where we are, Joe, is we. I think we both like different things about this match and dislike different things about this match, and then come yeah, out of pretty yeah, much yeah. the same place. I think that's kind of. Whereas it, I just it? disliked pretty much everything about the match. I, You're thinking of a unifying opinion between all of them. I think my expectation was because I had these messages saying about how I'm going to dislike yeah. it. I've seen mm. JP and Gareth's ratings, and I hated that Janela match that Moxley had. Mm. I'd kind of. I don't think you watched the Janela match, did you? No, I never did. But after you'd said, I was like, oh. So the expectation for this, Mm. for me, there was no expectation. Mm. And then it happened, and I was kind of like, okay, I can sort of appreciate it to some degree. It was too long. Yeah. It definitely outstayed its welcome. You don't need a 37-minute main event with a gimmick, if you ask me. I think, I don't know why wrestlers never understand that. The complaint is so often indulgent when mm. it goes that long and it's a gimmick match. Why go 37 minutes? Mm. Have some awareness. Well, this show was three hours 40 in total. Is that I what it was? It was yeah. Too long. yeah. See, I didn't and have I, a phone, I, so I didn't know the for time. For me, it <laughs> felt over long. Yeah. That's why I was really glad to take the break for Liverpool City. Mm. I really was. And then I came back to the show after a 
good run around the cold and I was fully <laughs> refreshed to watch yeah, those yeah. last two games. Mm. See, I sat through two YouTubers knocking seven chains of shit out of each other. And I, and then off- this. I offered you to play football last night and you told me you couldn't. Yeah, I did. I had master's work to do. If you came back to it refreshed after a good run around, mate, you'd have been all right. <laughs> you might it's not right. have been, been feeling like uh, like poor Renee was at home, uh, hating this thing, going over half. Maybe you were just That was funny. Her, was she? Oh, oh yeah. you were just like, what is this? What, seriously, like, what the fuck? Seriously, what the fuck? <laughs> well, she was tweeting Tweeting, yeah, live yeah. tweeting it. I hate this. Things like, like that. Yeah, she... Well, uh, if they had a normal match... Exactly. Which they should have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the thing is, I don't want to get too far removed from the Moxley that we saw in the G1 that got me so enthused about him all over again. Don't want to, you know, that's that version of Moxley would really do something mm. in in AEW. It's the kind of work they could really think, do with. I think that sums up AEW as a whole, doesn't it, JP? We're getting, for good and for bad, we're getting what the wrestlers their vision of what they want to be. Mm. Kenny Omega's being what Kenny Omega wants to be. John Moxley wants to go out there and kill himself in death matches, so he's getting to do it. There's there's positive it's a double edged sword, isn't there? There's positives and negatives to the to the wrestlers there having is. this much freedom. Um I, but I'd just like to see Cody's ver- vision of wrestling. I yeah. think that's the one vision there that we would <laughs> all be agree with. That if you're having a central he 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 gets this. He Cody, gets only that main event stuff. Cody is currently Quentin Tarantino with Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I hope he doesn't do Death Proof when it comes to homage at any point. Yeah. That'd be too far. Yeah. Keep to the uh, the good Tarantino, Cody, because so far the way he's using the homages with his own style in there is working for me. But yeah, hopefully Tone gets in there with Moxley and gets in there with Omega and says, right, lads, I've seen you better. This is what we're doing. Mm. And he puts his foot down. Maybe he says, if you don't do this properly, I've got some videos I'm going to make you fucking watch <laughs> Clockwork Orange style. I think they'd be worse than the Chase and Rance videos then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, God. Oh. Have you had oh, Teddy, Teddy Hart did some kind of like porn with sellotape or something? I don't even want to know what it is. What? Uh, oh, I don't know. He's been, him and Chase and Rance have been up for something. He did like, he was in the news because uh, he it's put Chase the, and Rance. The, uh, oh, he's like an indie wrestler who got done for. Uh, something with a child and um, he lived oh, with Scott Hall for a while uh he's, he's he's a piece of shit but Teddy Hart did this whole Twitter post about how he's never uh he's never really that close with Jason Rance anyway and he's not going to be friends with him going forwards and literally two hours later Jason Rance's wrestling school posted the photo on Instagram and Teddy Hart was there like that is the most Teddy Hart story you could ever come across but yeah apparently Teddy Hart and uh and Rance have been involved in some very very weird uh Porn, not quite Seth Rollins rolling around in his undies. Porn, much more uh, d- debauchery, I think, at play there. But yeah, if it's Nothing... Teddy R. It's going to be debauched, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. Nothing compared to yeah. Big Toad's collection, though. Um, but I mean, <laughs> well, we got sidetracked there. Anything more on AEW or, or in general the show or them going forward? You you concerned at all about the ratings going forward? That's something we haven't mentioned. Them uh, basically <laughs> tying. With NXT this week, I can't deal with people saying that they beat NXT by nine thousand viewers. It's a the way the rating system works. Nine thousand viewers is like half a person in one house. It's basically a draw. NXT brought in the big guns. They are the well, 
AJ Styles, uh, I suppose, being big gun, uh, singular, but doing all the stuff with the invasion stuff and the, the feud with Raw and SmackDown. I think it was likely that the uh, the NXT rating was going to be up, but somewhat concerning that maybe that AEW uh, did the 822,000 were pretty much... Uh, uh, exactly the the same as NXT this week. Do you think they're gonna have a have a rebound off this pay per view with maybe interest uh, with the uh, the Wednesday show to follow it, um, or are you not concerned at all? I'm I'm of the opinion. I'll kind of stick with it. Like it's always worth following the ratings and the ratings trends with it. But with this kind of TV show, in a sense, while it's not so popular, or it's serial drama that's on every week. So I still think they're at the point where they're kind of trying to find what is that core audience and what that is and then build and build from that. And I think they're still in those discovery stages because this is ultimately a startup that's been running five weeks of TV. So I'm kind of, whereas WWE, how long have they been producing network and cable television for? It's what, you know, sort of 40 years or so. So they have that kind of head start. And that's why there is always a different set of expectations, I think. But I look at the ratings and I think to myself, in six months is really the kind of period for this and what are they going to you know the, the things about the demos and the kind of quarter hours are kind of interesting in and of themselves but there's a kind of bigger macro picture here are they producing something and, and this is a weird little thing if any of you do it look at the kind of advertisers they're getting and are the the advertisers that they're getting at the moment are they things that are designed to kind of appeal to what they would say is abc1 in terms of demographics they're reasonably kind of aspirational. It's not low rent adverts that you and see. And 18 to 49. And 18 well. to 49. So I think for this overall, like I said, 700,000 is the kind of like, if that's the base number, you're getting to that, you're getting very close to that half a million, which was the kind of base level that TNT wanted. Mm. But I would say at the moment that they do still have some leeway we need to give this really a, a bit of time to see where it is by the time of the next pay-per-view. If it's still around or hovering around a million, where it goes from there. I think NXT, in terms of its ratings, are going to fluctuate all over the shop because they're going to do really erratic things. Because I think that number is going to end up going down when they start to lose the steam of this, this the NXT invasion angle. And what are they going to be doing on NXT TV that's going to be you know, sort of drawing people in from that? They're going to have, they're going to overuse the people coming in and invading full sale on a weekly basis. That's what they'll end up doing. So I think NXT is just going to fluctuate depending on what kind of people they throw out there. But I don't think it's going to have any kind of long-term strategy of where they go with that either. Yeah, I think let's not overreact. Like, it's going to be a story every week and this rating comes out. Look, it's going to give the Twitter cycle where the news cycle is, you know, the turnover is ridiculous anyway. Something to talk about for a few days. Mm. And I think JP is exactly right. Let's wait. Let's see this out a little bit. Yeah, WWE have fallen into something by sheer luck due to, uh, keep, due to I don't know, uh, Mohammed bin Salman keeping a plane grounded in Saudi Arabia. Mechanical um, problems. So, you know, maybe we can blame the Saudis for the rating this week, possibly. Mm. Um well, maybe the that. Saudis really wanted an NXT invasion angle <laughs> and they saw creative and that, that this is all an elaborate ruse, Mohammed bin Salman, to get Matt Riddle a massive push. And then you and MBS can hang out together and cheer on Riddle, possibly. I, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think I'd hang hey, out with MBS. you can go MBS. on your murderer podcast, JP. There you go. There's another murderer for you. 
Or and I leave out of that and go, do you know what? He's all right. <laughs> all right, Mohammed bin Salman. I'm going to call him Sal by accident or something like no. that. Uh, not will ever be all right, so. But that one's a good, good yeah. second. Why not? I'm having my fucking bollocks cut off somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to overreact at this point to the rating. If long term the rating keeps falling, and NXT gets a real push on AEW, then yeah, I think mm. that's when we start thinking about it. But it's one week. Mm. Uh, we're only a few weeks in. Let's let it play out a little bit more first. Sure. Uh, anything else then uh, before we go? One thing we'd like to mention is the match that me and Joe watched tonight. Um, which is the Walter match in Big Japan mm. with him teaming with Daisuke Sakamoto up against um, Okabayashi and, and um, Yuji Hino. And it's, at, honestly, we we like to give Hoss tag team wrestling like a really big push on this show. If you're looking for it in a contemporary age, every one of these men can only be described pretty much as a unit. And they're in there against each other. It's... It's very, very kind of brutal, feels very all Japan, you know, strike heavy exchanges. You're watching this going, oh, this is why I liked Walter. You're kind of reminded by that again, seeing him in this environment. Really great sort of big beefy fuckers tag match. Get on it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty much sure that was the tagline for the show. Big beefy fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you're, you're fat shaming there, mate. <laughs> Woke JP is dead. He you said didn't it get a sheet one this week. You're fat shaming. <laughs> Fucking hell. What's happened to you? <laughs> Hanging out with Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah. <laughs> Probably my influence as well. Yeah, man. that's you. <laughs> We've killed the good in JP. Exactly. Over time, you two. I'm glad that me. JP's dead. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the proper JP returns. There you go. Um, where was I? Yeah, I can't really do this match anymore just the big beefy fuckers <laughs> but yeah i love a big man tag team and this was four big blokes knocking the shit out of each other very strike heavy mm. some good brawling stuff some brutal germans in there mm. my sort of thing this i would highly recommend it and yeah it's great to see walter uh, again, in a match that hadn't been rehearsed in the PC for two days before he went out mm. there and wrestled. So cool. There you go. Yeah. So if you if you're not uh, if you if you do tune into Raw uh, tonight at time of recording, and the uh, two minutes of Walter Seth Rollins doesn't do it for you, maybe go back. Yeah. And watch the proper Walter uh, and cleanse your palate. The good recommendation. Yeah, it's on. If you're watching Raw, think uh, I'll go and watch the big beefy fuckers instead. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, any plugs, JP? Um, I'm not doing any other podcast. I'm not doing any more Liger-related podcasts this week, so it seems oh, kind of strange. But none to plug on that front. Just the Twitter, JP Jippy. Three E's. Fair enough. Uh, follow the Grapple app at Grapple App. Follow me. Uh, I'm back connected to the Matrix. You'll be glad to know. So I'll be back uh, oh. catching up on my Twitter in the morning. Uh, Benzo, With your Richard fancy in. new phone. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm gonna get my uh, fancy football team set up for in two weeks, JP. When I uh, when I get my revenge on you, I'm, I'm back. Back in the game, mate. You had a good week this week. You're well ahead of me. I had a I had a bit of a shocker, but well, you got an international break there. now. So Troy Parrott in the under twenty ones. Aaron Connolly in the main side for you, JP. Troy Parrott making his debut for Ireland on mm. against oh, New Zealand the on the Thursday in the full team. He's not even played for Spurs properly yet. He's that much of a wonder kid, mate. 
<laughs> Someone told me who I play football with, who's a Spurs fan, that for Spurs under twenty threes, I think he scored like four goals against in a yeah. nine two win or something. Yeah. In the like uh, youth Champions like, League, Red Star or part, yeah, is that Red, Red right? Star. Yeah, so go Troy. I do have something to uh, to mention again. Oh, go mentioned at the beginning, but save us the pain of putting Twickets notifications on. If you've got a few tickets going for the old unboxing and you want that live progress support, it will be our la- our return to the ballroom and our last ever time at the ballroom. And I think that's bigger news than Jim Smallman's last time at the ballroom because he'll be back at some point, but we won't. <laughs> Get on to us. Sell us them tickets. Yeah. There'll be no better live reaction review than us three back at progress in the old stomping grounds <laughs> covering Jim Smallman's leap departure from a philanthropic point of view. Indeed. And Jimmy Havoc's return. <laughs> that too. And we'll be nothing but positive. Uh, and we'll go on three different podcasts and uh, and do it too. And give it justice. Yeah. Uh, reach out to us. Yeah. We'd love, we'd love to. Go. We've given them over the years, eh? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think they'd be happy. Bloody mate. great. Uh, indeed so yeah yeah, reach out to either me or JV if you hear that if you're a club progress member with uh, with tickets in your pocket Ben and uh, do let us know Uh, but again we will be back (laughs) next week bye (laughs) 